When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good afternoon all, just go on midday on Tuesday the 28th of February. Could be a grandstand day for New Zealand cricket, couldn't it? Uh, England currently 120 for five, they're needing another 138. I would say either side could win. Can't see it being a draw. Uh, 138 more runs with what is their two and a half sessions remaining. Uh, Joe Root's on 41 and Stokes is on about six something like that i'll keep you up to date uh, with any happenings um lots of updates coming out of that afternoons with staff is brought to you with our friends at gull gull.nz economical fuel fuel emission all year round great to have them on board with us each and every day coming up today uh just before one today uh we're going to go down live to the basin as we have for days one, three, and five. Uh, one, four, and five. Uh, Daniel McCarty live from the basin on reviewing this first session. Um, as I say, one twenty for five. Good session so far for New Zealand. Long may that continue. Um, also, going to catch up just after one with John Adsid, former All Whites coach. He led the All Whites in that 1982 World Cup campaign, and the very sad passing of Grant Turner today. And. Who can forget who was around at that time, that amazing header he got against Australia. And I remember as a kid, he was more like a rugby player playing soccer to me. He was just so combative. But John Edsett will know him as well as anyone. So very grateful that he's agreed to come and chat to us just after one o'clock. Then just after two, we're going across to the UK. Sam Roberts, he's a UK rugby commentator, talking through... The Six Nations, um, the improvement, I guess you could say, of Italy and Scotland, that's pretty undeniable. Uh, Wales battling, 0 from 3, and the continuing great performances by Ireland and France, who are going to be hosting the World Cup. And I just want to ask him about the the landscape of rugby in the Northern Hemisphere with that revelation the other night um, when Brad Weber said we're basically copying the North. And uh, does he see any evidence of that? And I might just ask him about the how much of this coaching merry-go-round that's going on with the All Blacks is leaking through to the Northern Hemisphere and an impartial uh, view on what he thinks is going on there. Jimmy O'Malley is the head greenkeeper at Millbrook Resort. Of course, the New Zealand Open is this week. Um, how does he prepare the course? What's hard? What's easy? What's changed? All that sort of stuff. Um, the head greenkeeper of Millbrook will be just after three. And of course, Jimmy Smith um, across the ditch we go every Tuesday and Friday with Jimmy. That'll be at about quarter to four. And interspersed with all of that, we find out what's making news. We have a brand new vault today. because Brand new today? Yeah, because Mark from Invercargill got it yesterday, didn't he? He got the 200 So a $100 one is up for grabs. Seven questions, so get yourself involved in that at about 245 Uh Gosh, what else? Back in the day. And draft day Tuesday is we are building the ultimate rugby player. Myself, Sammy and Manaya. Draft Day Tuesday is a bit of fun, so that'll be about quarter past 20 past two. 
But we're going to have a bit of fun with Midday Madness. We, we generally chuck a fun one in um, for Midday Madness. And it's just changing one rule in any sport. What would you introduce? Just one rule. We've seen the new rules that have come in, or guidelines. Are they rules? No, they are rules. Rules slash guidelines uh, for Super Rugby. And by and large, I think they've been pretty well received. But I'm going to encourage you to get funky. Come up with a funky rule change in any sport, in any sport, um, whether it's around scoring points, penalising players, and just bringing a little bit more, um, a little bit more interest. Because so many sports have remained unchanged for so so long, and we've seen you know, Martin Crow changed cricket. Uh, he changed a myriad of uh, a myriad of rules with cricket max, didn't he? So we're just going to say pick one. Um, We've probably got the best guy in the producer's booth to play this game in Manaya because he thinks on a different level to most of us, on a different plane. Um, he's just got some pretty weird ideas and <laughs> discussions, but they are very humorous. And some of them are doable. And I've had one I've wanted for a long, long time, which I will share with you soon. So if you can change one thing, something like a four-point line in basketball, which is even further out. Steph Curry would just eat that for lunch. Um, things like that, um, extra cards being involved in any sport, um, extra points for doing something special in any sport. So have a think about that. Someone texted that through to us on Friday, and I loved it. And we and so we've been thinking about it, and I ask you to think about it on Friday. So if you were listening on Friday, I hope you have thought about it. So Midday Madness, let's change one rule in any sport to make it more appealing, more interesting, get some new followers, some new supporters, and just just some of these some of these sports haven't changed for years. So can we make it a little bit more fun, a little bit more engaging, a little bit more interesting? That's midday madness today. 0800 150 Keen to hear your rule changes. Well, listen, Buster, you better start to move your feet to the rockinest beat of madness. Righto, so I'm, I'm going to tell Manai to keep his mic on permanently because mm-hmm. he, I think you're going to be judge, jury and selector of these because yep. um, you do know how to think out left field. I'm going to chuck mine at you for a start. Brilliant. And, and um, I would like to see um, in rugby you have the in goal split into thirds. So let's, for example, just for ease, I know it's not 60 metres wide, but just just entertain me there. It's 50, yep. but let's say it's 60 metres wide. You you have three 20-metre segments through the end goal, um, and if you score a try in the middle in the middle segment, no conversion, it's a seven-point try. And then in the outer ones, um, if you get the conversion, it's two points. And then on the very outside, you have a one-metre line, and if you get that conversion, it's three points for the conversion. And that will be... If you need eight points to win the game and you've got a try under the post, you might run out to the sideline because you need the three points to get uh, the win. You see where I'm going? I'm with you. Mm. I like it. Um, so what, that rewards going up the guts rather than spinning it wide? No. Yes, what, what, because... Well, it does because if, you, if, if the clock's against you, there's no conversion, you score under the post, seven-point try back to halfway. But if you need the extra points, you run out wide. So you'll be seeing players diving like they're on the um, outline when they're actually in the middle of the park. Yeah. 
to try and get that to try and get it inside the automatic conversion territory. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love the text that came through. Take charges from basketball. Oh, take out charges. That would be brilliant. <laughs> so then you just have to play defense. You can't just park yourself in the lane and pray that somebody it runs into you. Yeah. Um, so last year when they were talking about how they're going to fix yellow cards, red cards, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they brought in that 20-minute rule so that the, the, the fans don't get penalised by mm. a, their, one of their players getting kicked out. So I came up with an idea. Uh, this is for non-violent red cards. Okay. So not for head highs, but for cynical play and things like that. If you punch someone, that's still a red card. But for anything less than something out-and-out out violent, the Donald Duck card. <laughs> so... You get to continue playing, or you have to go off for 20 minutes. When you come back on, you've got to take your shorts off, oh. and you have to play the rest of the card like Donald Duck for the for the rest of the game. Because I think then that way your team's not completely disadvantaged, but you can't tell me that someone's going to have a blinder while they're Donald Ducking it out on the field. So you play the second half in your jocks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you wouldn't want to get carded. I don't want to be playing a That's game. That's what I mean. We, we, need a, we need a proper deterrent. It's not financial. These guys make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Donald Ducking. It's humiliation. Mm. Um, This one is a little bit more straightforward. I think that players in most sports, this would apply to Super Rugby, I think, uh, should be able to pick their opponents. So the highest seed, say you're the one seed Mm. in in Super Rugby, first round of the playoffs, you get to pick who you're going to play against. So so someone might have qualified lower, but you might want, say the Crusaders, you just want to play a grudge match against the Highlanders, so you pick them. Okay. So whoever is the reigning champion picks their first opponent. It goes off seeding. Oh, okay. So first seed gets to pick their first round opponent, second seed, and on. It would give us something to talk about every week, wouldn't it? Oh, absolutely. So you do it every week? No, 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 no. For the playoffs. Oh, for the playoffs. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Top seed gets to pick their matchup, rather than just one place six or however it works at the moment. Yeah, I like that. And that's more fan engagement and... and, and, um and just trying to make my own job as a producer easier as well. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's it. All right, 0800 150 Keen on your rule changes. Ed, kia ora, Ed. Hey, kia ora, Seth. Oh, hey, um, let's see what I did. You know, I like your one with the three segments. Well, back in our day in school, you had to score the try in between the posts. You had to. You had to. That's the only way you could score a try. Say, the whole team would just wait for you underneath the post. Well, most of them. So we'd run up and down the field and then we'd get to the post and then you'd have to go smash your way through whoever's standing in your way. Oh, so really? That's how we grew up playing in um, intermediate school. Oh, nice. So it's actually (laughs) teaches you to run it straight. Well, run it straight, put your head down, try and get between these guys' legs or bowl someone over. Oh, it was all on, man. (laughs) Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. Oh, that's that's an interesting okay. take. Good on you, Ed. Nice, buddy. Yep. Um, next, no, no name. Uh, welcome in. Who am I talking to? Uh, yeah, you're talking to Grant. G'day, Grant. How you going? Good. Um, now, just, yeah, the, uh, in the rugby, the one that really bugs me, because um, I'm more of a league supporter, but the rugby rule where when they kick it into the 22 and the, and the player makes a mark, and then all the players have to come back behind him and then he kicks it out. Mm. Instead of catching it and making the, the game flow on, it sort of stops it. It stops the whole game. So you think it sh- if you mark it, you should be able to just tap and go straight away? No, or? no, but you, shouldn't, you shouldn't have a mark at all. Oh, get rid you of the mark. Like, you get rid of the mark altogether. 
yeah. and I, just speed up the game. I guess the difference in, in league is that uh, they do have that rule, but it's only in the in goal, and that's to stop people from just that's being right. able to chip it willy nilly. So I, I understand what you mean. Yeah. Do, would you keep it in the yeah, in no, goal though? Uh, pro- yeah, probably would. Yeah, yeah. But um, but as I say, that just with they take the easy option and, t- and taking the mark, and then the whole play just stops, and it's everyone has to come back behind him, and then he's got it, then he kicks it out invariably. Because back in the day, both feet had to be on the ground to call a mark. Now you can call it aerially. Yeah, you just, you just call it, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, get rid yeah. of the mark. I don't mind that. 100%. Good on you, buddy. All right. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Um, got some uh, got some good ones coming through on the text machine. Double eight, double three. If you can't get to the phone, happy to take your text messages. Thanks to Temper and Bedpost. Double eight, double three. I'll take the charges out. Got that one. If you lie on the ground for more than 20 seconds in soccer, you have to go off for 10 minutes without a replacement, Pete. You're singing my song, Pete. You're singing my song. I love that one, especially for player safety, you know. They, some of those guys look like they're in a lot of pain when they go down. Mm. And if we're going to look after those players' well-being, they need to go off for a full 10 minutes. Mm. It's the classic cry wolf, isn't it? Like, if you're remonstrating on the ground like I'm five seconds away from needing my leg to be amputated <laughs> uh, and then you're up and you're sprinting after it, I, I, don't, I just don't like that mm. at all, at all. So I, I don't mind that one, Pete. Thank you for that one. Um, <laughs> here's a contentious one, Brendan. <laughs> Crusaders and Blues can only select players, select players from their region. Oh, oh, there's been a big poaching thing this week on the station. There sure has. Uh, we go over to Aussie, talk to Darren. G'day, Darren. I'm sure you're an intelligent sportsman. I'm keen to hear yours. Hey, Stephanie, how are you? Good, Darren. Um, what I'd do is if you were playing tennis and you serve a let... It's play on. Mm. Play on. So there's no such thing as a lap. It's just pack your ducks and go for it. <laughs> Try yeah, to get that ball that drops over the net. That's true. That's true. I'm just wondering, is the let for the server or the receiver? Who, 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 it's, for the, it's for the server. It's for the Unless it smacks the tape hard and just drops over. Just drops over, yeah. Then he probably wouldn't want it back, but he does get it back. Yeah. yeah, I don't mind that either. Just just play on. The goal is to get it into the serving box. If it gets there by hitting the tape or not, play on. Well, imagine if you're playing against Nadal and you start hitting a few lets. He's never going to get them because he's six metres behind the baseline. So that'll factor in. He's got to come in closer. So it'll sort of change up the game. Could you play uh, for a let? Could you play? Could you aim it? Oh, Are they that good? My. My mate's wife, I kid you not, we have we, we laugh and we have a head up about how many net cords she hits. It's uncanny. Really? Like it's, her margin for error is so low. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe she's the next day's yeah. party. Maybe we've found her. Oh, she was pretty good in a day. She's in her mid-50s now. and She actually just went over to New Zealand two weeks ago for a Masters tournament and won it. <laughs> <laughs> let cords <Sorry>. delight. <laughs> I would say so, yes. yes. Uh, good stuff. Let play on. I don't mind it. Thanks, Darren. Thanks, mate. Cheers, buddy. Uh, Darren out of Aussie. Good idea. Let play on. Removing rules. I quite like that. There is there is an appetite to remove rules, but can you add anything that will enhance or delete something that will enhance the sport that you watch? 0800 150 11. We will take a break. Keen to hear your thoughts on any... They can be as funky as you want, um, as funky as you want. Rule changes 
in sports that you think will enhance the product. 0800 150 811. We'll take your calls after a break. Uh, in response to the ones uh, that someone texted in saying uh, the Crusaders and the Blues have to pick from their own regions, uh, Kenneth said, oh, I dragged it across now, I can't find it. There it is. Staffy, bring back rucking. And picking players from your own region, the Crusaders wouldn't be able to field a team. Cheers, Ken. <laughs> uh, we go to the lines uh, 0800 1508 11. Pick a rule change. Any sport that would make it better. We go to Brisbane. Talk to Brent. G'day, Brent. Hey, Staffy. How are you? Good, thanks, Brent. couple of things. Um, uh, the, two, the, the two worst ones we know in rugby union, right, we know, right, is the deliberate knockdown. Yellow card is just the worst rule ever. Mm. In my opinion, you should be able to stop a try from being scored as long as it's not involving foul play. But like this 10-minute yellow card thing for that is ridiculous. Do you agree? Yes, I do, actually, because some of them are honest attempts. And when they say, was he trying to catch, or was his hand up or hand down, um, in, the, in the spur of the moment, you're just trying to stop the ball, get to the unmarked winger, aren't you? And I don't think it's yellow cardable yeah. myself. Um, everyone uh, can have their and own the other, yeah. yeah, and the other one is the rolling mall. Like oh. you've got to be able to stop that rolling mall. Like, like if you can stop it and bring it down, I don't care. As long as it's not foul play, that that needs to stop, right? So, um, but I have a question for you. I like you were referring to. Well, I was listening this week to Billy McLaren. You must like him as a commentator. Yes. To who? Sorry. You know Bill McLaren, the yes. Scottish commentator. Yes. Right, but I, I was searching YouTube the other day, doing a bit of you know I like doing a bit of rugby research, right? Mm. And there's a thing called it's worth it's worth watching. Um, Bill McLaren's Flower of Scotland, right? It talks about is the rugby is he played a bit, but not not to a high standard. But when he you know first got and fell in love with commentating, you know. And um, have you ever heard of Jack Manchester? I haven't. Okay, let's see. I've been following rugby for years, and I follow the history of it all. And I come up, he referred to him in this um, documentary, right? He said he was 12 years old, and he was at his local ground in Hoyk. That's where he's from in Scotland, mm. in Hoyk. And he goes, you never forget the first time when the All Blacks, when he saw the All Blacks play, right, at Hoyk. And he said, Jack Manchester, right, he was the All Black captain. He was a huge man in his day. Right, he had hands the size of dinner plates, and he walked out on the walk. The All Blacks out in the field with the ball in one hand. He was like, <laughs> I think back then it was 1935, so he was six foot one and 90 kilos, which is quite big back then. Right, yep. but then I, I didn't, I never really heard of him, so I looked him up. So he, he played for the All Blacks from 1932 to 1936, 36 matches, 20 as captain. So a lot of those games were like tour matches and nine tests. But you never really heard air of him as an as a all black captain. I mean, he captained them 20 times. But um, yeah, it's worthwhile watching um, Bill McLaren, the Flower of Scotland. Yeah, I will do that because I love the rugby history and learning stuff. So I thank you for pointing to me towards that. I will have a look at it tonight. Yeah, Jack's from Waimati too. Oh. And um, I, think he called, I think he was born John, but he got called. It, it, when you look it up, it, it, it says Jack, but John must have been his real name. But yeah, I'll do a little bit of history. We hear all the great All Black captains of the bar, I and mean, we don't hear about Jack Manchester, and he's from Waimati, Canterbury, beauty. Go on, go on. Well, there we go. Yeah. Wonder if my, right. Good on you, buddy. Here's mate. Um, wonder if my nice heard of Jack Manchester being from Waimati. Uh, the rugby park's named after 
someone Manchester. So that's probably him. I presume Jack Manchester. Mm. Sorry, yeah. I missed that. I was on, on the horn. What was... Uh, Oh, he was just saying that uh, Bill McLaren mentioned Jack Manchester, and um, so he found a bit about him. And I found um, played club rugby for Christchurch and represented Canterbury at provincial level. Uh, born in Waimati, was an All Black from thirty-two to thirty-six. Played thirty-six matches, twenty as captain for the All Blacks, including nine internationals. Yeah, rugby park's still named after him down there. There we go. There we go. Go back to the line. Uh, we talked to Justin out of mid Canterbury. Uh, Justin, <coughs> g'day. Nah, I'm in Westport today, Staffy. All um, right. <laughs> I, um, I've got a couple golf, um, golf ones um, applicable to me, especially. Um, every putt under two feet has to be a gimme. Yeah, um, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, if you hit it out of bounds and you reckon you can have a crack, take a one-shot penalty and, and have a crack instead of having to go back and hit it off the tee again, if you, you know. So, uh just hit it, many just, a time I've been, just, yeah, just hit it. Like many a time I've been in a panic, and I thought, "Geez, I'd love to have a crack from here." <laughs> hit it out of someone's backyard along the, uh, the uh, along the eleventh hole at Parapara Umu. Um, just hit it out of the yard next to their trampoline. Keep going. Yeah, well, yeah, just take it. Give yourself a one-shot penalty and. Uh, Keep on trucking, mate. Just got to keep moving. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, Justin. I like it. Nice work. Good, mate. Cheers, Cheers. buddy. Uh, do join in. 0800 150 11. We'll take a quick break for the news. We'll come back with Graham. He's a great man, a tunny farm man. He'll have some good ideas, but you, I want yours as well. A rule change in the sport you love to make it better. News with Johnny Mac. We'll come back with Graham and anyone else that wants to give us a yell. Well, listen, Buster. You better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. Yeah. Mark's just texting saying he's heading to the golf course and he's going to try out those new golf rules. Hitting from out of bounds, no shot penalty. Let us know how you get on, Mark. Uh, back to the phones. G'day, Graham. Hey, Steph, can you hear me all right, mate? Got you good, Graham. Cool. Um, you know, I, you know, I couldn't call yesterday, mate. A bit busy, but yeah, well done to the Chiefs. Yes. Yeah, blew, blew us away. Um, and that would be one of my first rules, was not to let Sam on on the radio after a Chiefs win. Hey, that was bloody painful listening <laughs> to bloody track to mate. I was driving and I was thinking, I really want to stop this and have a wee yarn with Sam. But, um, yeah, all, all power to him, and I'll get him a box of beers whenever I can. But, yeah, we made a donation to a couple of charities, so that'll, that'll suffice for now. Yep. Um, uh, and the football one, I'd red card them. That does my head and when they roll around on the ground they haven't even been touched. That just and the bigger the game the, the worse it gets. Yeah. Um, and it spoils the you know, it spoils the quality of the players, you know, the, it's a, you watch good football players, it's good to watch. When they start doing that you think, Why am I watching this hundred million dollar player? You know, he hasn't been taken like, yeah, just just does my head in. Yeah. And the other one I'd look at Ethan Black on Friday, he he ducked, he crouched down to make the tackle, and the attacking player who had the pull went went down after him. Mm-hmm. You know, lowered his body after, so he effectively ran into Ethan's shoulder. But Ethan got yellow carded. It happened that quickly that Ethan got yellow carded. Like it's, sometimes you've got to take responsibility for your own actions. Mm. Like even though it was head on, even though it was head on, whatever it was, you know, like a shoulder on head, 
and it was Ethan's shoulder on his head. The attacking player actually ran into him, not the other way around, if you know what I mean. Yeah, so I've, all, I've always worried about that, that if you're an attacker and you're, you're prepared to put your body on the line, you just run with your head into some part of them and they're going to get penalised. And, and I'm worried that that's what it might come to. Yeah, 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 I take that point. But like, how he, Ethan was as low as he could go at that time. And then the other, you know, the attacking player sort of lowered, sort of lowered into it. And he's like, what do you do, man? Like, mm. The only way they can do it is to go back how we were taught. That was, and, and you can only t- tackle cheek to cheek. That's yep. how we were taught when we were five. Yep, and, that, and then you get it. And then, then that's problem solved, eh? Yep. There's no more heads on shoulders and, you know, that type of thing. You might get a few more heads on knees type of thing or hips. But, um, yeah, well, we all survived. And it's, Yep. It just seems a bit of a grey area, that's all. Yeah, it is. It you is. know, that's me, mate. I've got to keep moving. But Top man, Graham. And, um, yeah, make sure you ban Sam from now on, mate. <laughs> ban Sam after Go to cheese twins. Yeah. See you, mate. I'm scared I'll be banning... Sam on ninety percent of the Mondays if uh, if he's yeah, not able to talk after Yeah, he's on the bandwagon, Stan. Oh, Let's go. Never got off. Um, I appreciate boy. good footy I and mean, Chiefs play good <laughs> oh, footy. Yeah. Uh, Barry and Palmy, g'day, Barry. Hey, afternoon, Steph. Hey, Barry. Um, I, I, I'm on standby for to caddy for Scott End. Oh, nice. But uh, but that's not what I'm ringing about. Um, change of rules. What 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 abuses me is you wake up to a cricket score and, and they'll say, for example, England won by five wickets, okay? Yeah. And you go, oh, they won easy. And then, actually, if you go in and have a look at the game, they hit two sixes off the last two balls to win by one. Yeah. Right? So So, like, they were, like, Real lucky to win, but five wickets. You know, I think there must be a better way than explaining how they won. Yeah, you, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I do, I do, because you can see, you can, you might say five wicket victory and say, oh, geez, that's a hiding, but it's not at all. Yeah, no, no, that's what I say. Like you, you hear they won by five wickets, for example, and then actually, if you, 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 you know, you go and have a look. And you find out that they hit two sixes off the last two balls to win by one, and it's like hell. That went to the wire, didn't it? You know, mm. but they won by five wickets. So I just think it's that's that needs changing. That that's talking about the rules. That's yeah. all. No, that's good. That's good, Barry. Appreciate it. Good luck if you get on the bag with Scott Hind. Yeah, yeah. And I tell you what, if if I don't, uh, he's still worth a dollar. But if I get on the bag, he's worth five dollars. <laughs> you know the three rules of caddying, don't you? Yeah, of course I do. Okay, turn up, keep up, and shut up. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Good man, Barry. Love you, Enjoy your week, mate. Great stuff. Uh, we go down to Dunedin and talk to James. Good day, James. Staffy, how are you, mate? Good, thank you, James. Good, good. Um, no, I'm not ringing in to pitch any rule changes, but I thought. Um, I'm actually a, I'm a lifelong um, uh, rugby head, as a lot of us are. I've played the game for 35 years. Um, but in the last couple of years, I've really started getting into my um, EPL. And uh, so I'm calling in defence of football, oddly enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, 
I am a I'm a gooner. Um, I'm actually North London born. My birth certificate shows uh, my place of birth is the uh, borough of Is- Islington. Um, spent six years living not far from the old Highbury, so nice. got um, some some uh, some genuine um, uh, credentials to support the Gunners, not just because they're the top team and I'm one of I'm a, I'm a bandwagoner by any stretch. <laughs> um, but the point of my call, as I said. Um, um, a lot of, there are people who are renowned for the, the Hollywoods, you know, the Neymars and the Jack Grealishes and uh, stuff like that. But I was having this conversation with a son just the other day, and the difference between rugby and football is in rugby, you brace yourself for the contact. So whether you're the ball carrier or you're the tackler, you're, you're um, you know, you are prepared for that uh, very physical encounter. Whereas a lot of, uh, you know, when you really look at a game of football closely, guys are running around. It is it's technically meant to be a non-contact sport, a bit like basketball. So you're not really expecting to suddenly get an elbow in the head when you're going up to contest a ball um, in the midfield, um, that sort of thing, or um, some dude just square uh, pushes you in the back and you and you go hurtling over and you get winded and stuff like that. You follow what I'm saying? I do. Um, uh, so, uh, and you know, and, and some of those studs up, um, some of those studs up tackle have got to hurt like the Jesus when uh, they're coming in on your shins and, your, and around your ankles and your feet and all the rest of it. So, um, uh, as I say, and, 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 and I actually, you know, I've really been thinking a lot about the ETL. I, mean, I reckon some of those guys, uh, there's some tough guys playing um, uh, Premier and Championship level football. I mean, you know, this is all held, um, well-conditioned, you know, if if you if your average Joe Blow who wants to just um constantly berate them for being a bunch of sooks was to run around in a game of football, I, I'd, I'd I'd like to hear their feedback at the end of the game. To be quite honest, <laughs> I'm just wondering did did Vinnie Jones or Roy Keane did they just used to roll around the ground trying to win a win a penalty? Well, they didn't, but probably um, 99% of the people who were on the uh, receiving end of their uh, um, their physicality did, that's for sure. Um, you know, um, but it's a, I mean, it's a physical game. Um, make, no, make no bones about it. And, and as I say, there are some who milk that, and they, uh, you know, they're aware that, it, that um, they might benefit from a, a bit of Hollywood, mm. and those players are generally pretty well known. Yes. Um, but for the most part, um, I mean, you look at uh, my Arsenal, um, Bukayo Saka, he's, he is the closest marked man in football these days because people know how dangerous he is. He's, he's constantly on the ground, legitimately, because <laughs> people are just working him over mm. for the full 90 minutes. Yeah. Um, and this is coming from a rugby man who now loves his EPL. Good man. Good man. You can love yeah. both. Good on you, James. Good to yes, hear from indeed. you, buddy. All right, Mark. Cheers, Cheers. mate. Bye-bye. Uh, James from Dunedin there. I had someone say to me last week, uh, rugby, it's a game where people get injured but pretend they're not. Football, a game where people don't get injured but pretend they are. <laughs> Which is an interesting statement. We'll take a break. We're going to go live to the Basin Reserve right after this break and talk to Daniel McCarty. Welcome back in. Um, we're very lucky. He's been very accommodating to us in the afternoons. It is Daniel McCarty coming to us live from the Basin. And I must say, Daniel, uh, it's going to be a bit more pleasant conversation than I thought initially. Good start for New Zealand Day 5. Oh, better than that, Staffy. Good afternoon to you and to everyone. This is just awesome. Fifth day of a test match. 
two legitimate options. Okay, we'll go three. We'll go three of the four legitimate options. Loves a tie. Uh, are available. <laughs> we love the tie. We'll always forget about the tie. The draw's gone. Bye-bye draw. See you later. Uh, the weather's good. Um, you know, bright sunshine at the moment. There's no rain in the forecast. There's still 69 overs to be bowled today. England require about 103 for victory. That's not going to be a problem for them. New Zealand need five wickets. It's so brilliantly positioned, this game. New Zealand got off to a roaring start. It was uh, Robinson, the night watchman, top edging a pull stroke caught by Bracewell, backtracking from third slip off Southey. Then six runs later, Duckett nicking off, trying to play cut stroke um, off the bowling of Henry. And then uh, Ollie Pope steering a cut stroke straight to Latham. It took a really good catch. Gee, the catching's been excellent mm. in this uh, test match. And that was 80 for four. And there was starting to be a bit of belief around the base and reserve. And then the fans just went absolutely bananas when Joe Root inexplicably just ran the ball down to the gully region, set off for a run. Harry Brook at the non-striker's end. Maybe in de- deference to, to the genius that is... Uh, Joe Root decided to come through and he was caught miles short as Bracewell came around through to Blundell. Blundell took the bails off. Ollie, uh, sorry, uh, Harry Brook run out without facing a ball. I hate it when that happens. I love it when it's an Englishman, though. Do we... We need one more to, to, to really swing it into we can do it. I mean, Stokes and Root at the wicket, they can probably get through on their own. How important is a wicket and how soon do we need to see one? Well, Joe Root's one of the, the greatest uh, batters England's ever produced. What is he, approaching 11,000 test runs, 153 in the first inning. He's 61 off 67 in this. He uh, he, he looks like a, in match-winning form to me. And the guy at the other end is probably the one of the best situational cricketers I've seen in a very, very long time. He knows how to manage these scenarios, almost thrives in these uh, roles when the game's on the line and Stokes can, uh, you know, grow nine foot tall and take England home. So we don't need one wicket, Steph. I want to see these two gone. I want them out of here as quickly as possible. Um, why? Because I have so much admiration for them as players. New Zealand really do need to see the back of both of them. Like, for example, uh, Stokes could win it by himself. He's that cleaner hitter and a ferocious attacker of the ball when required. He's playing a very mature innings here, though. 20 off 65 and letting Root doing all the scoring and New Zealand just have to get rid of both of these guys. There's still folks to come. He can play the wicketkeeper batsman. But then you get into the bowlers, uh, Broad, Leach and Anderson. Um, you should be feeling good if they've got 40, 50 runs to get those three combined. But now or never as we approach, what, lunch at about 10 minutes' time, the next, you know, 45 minutes of game time really might just uh, decide this one way or another. Because it is one way or another, which is incredible. Credit to New Zealand, no matter what happens from here, They've climbed back into this when we really felt, Steffi, when we spoke earlier in this test match, that it was long gone. There's been one run out. Tim's got two. Matt Henry's got one. <clears throat> Neil Wagner's got one. Michael Braceville, only eight overs, number 37. Who's looking most likely of the New Zealand bowling attack to remove these two? Well, I thought Tim Southey was excellent, but a very long spell of seven overs to start from the government house end. So for those who know uh, the Basin Reserve, the southern end of the ground, um, him and Henry from that end have been able to exploit a little bit of variable bounce. The odd one's gone through high onto the batsman. A couple have kept low. be a bit nicer if a few more kept low, just keeping the, the batsman in sort of in two minds. Uh, Michael Bracewell looked very, very nervous early on. England clearly tried to target him. 
I think his first three overs went for 23 runs, but he's settled down, and he's actually getting a bit of spin, and he looks dangerous to Ben Stokes. So we've just seen an incredible ball the previous over that's, you know, leapt, spun, gone past the outside edge and barked at Ben Stokes as it went past. Uh, so he looks threatening to the left-hander while Root's looking to attack Bracewell. So that's a game within a game. So expect Southie and Henry to continue Southie's bowling from the the government house end at the moment to Ben Stokes. Uh, I'd, I'd expect those two to do a lot of the bowling from the other end. But uh, they need someone else to stand up, whether it's Bracewell, whether it's Neil Wagner, who's been better today, but still six overs going for 24. So four runs and over. Neil Wagner, they've really gone after him throughout the series, but he did pick up a wicket. So uh, we, can, we, we hope someone can uh, find a match-winning performance, a bit like Stuart Broad did in Mount Maunganui. And finally, Daniel, let's give the chance of a tie 1%. How do you split the other 99% between an England victory and a New Zealand victory? 70-30 to England right now. Right. That's fair. Maybe, maybe, I'm, being a little, maybe I'm being a little bit negative on that front. Um, I, I, I thought England, even though, you know, historically speaking, getting 258 in the fourth innings of the Test match is hard to do over the course of, 145 years of Test match cricket history, but just not in the last couple of years. Maybe I'm burnt by England's incredible chasing ability over you know the Stokes McCallum era, what they did against New Zealand in England in 2022. But New Zealand, real credit, they came out firing today. You, you could see they were really excited for this opportunity. You know, they, could, they this will be an incredibly famous win if New Zealand can get up here. I think this would be only the third time in Test Match Cricket history, Staffy. Let this one sink in. Third time in Test Match Cricket history a team following on could win a Test Match. Mm. Third time in they history. Can be part, mm. they, they can be part. They can create history today. Mm. They, they can create a, a, a Test Match victory um, that they will be talking about for absolute years. Here's a glorious stroke from Root dancing down the wicket and hitting Bracewell for six over mid-on. Boom! <laughs> Joe Root. <laughs> Brilliant, Daniel. We've got an ad break to take. I really appreciate you coming on live each day. Loved it. My pleasure. Cheers, mate. Take it easy. If they, third time in history, if they do get that win, they won't win a Helberg. Just ask AJS Patel. We'll come back after a break. Oh, we have a swag of great rule changes from you good folk out there. Um, keep sending them through, actually. Double eight, double three. I'll get to them all after the news. Um, one rule change you'd like to see. Uh, Mark says, allow drug taking at the Olympics. Imagine seeing someone run 100 metres in seven seconds. <laughs> or someone do the clean and jerk lifting 700 kilos. We could all call it the juiced Olympics. Long been a proponent for that. Have one of each. But I think they have in bodybuilding, don't they? They have the natural bodybuilding and then they have the other bodybuilding. It's also assuming everyone at the Olympics isn't already juicing. <laughs> They do catch a lot, don't they? They really do catch a lot. Uh, rugby, any penalty given within the 22 is a four-point kick to try and stop the constant penalties against attacking teams. Linton from Harwea Flat. Good to hear from you, Linton. I'll keep reading through them after the news. Keep sending them in. Double eight, double three. One rule change you'd like to see to make the sport better. News with Johnny Mack.
I'm told that's an homage to Ian Smith's birthday today. A song called Birthday... <sighs> birthday something. But they've taken ta- it out. I can tell you that. What, yeah, birthday something, yeah. You can't tell me? Can't tell me, see? It's iconic. <laughs> it is iconic. Uh, <laughs> uh, the cricketers have gone to lunch. No further uh, No further wickets. Uh, ben Stokes remains not out on 20. Um, Joe Root not out 74 off 74. Bit of a role reversal there, isn't it? Um, Sheed anchor Ben Stokes. So they need 90 more runs. New Zealand need five more wickets. Time's not an issue. Weather's not an issue. It's runs versus wickets. Here we go. 40 minutes until the next session starts. Uh, the first hour, we were talking about um, rules you'd like to change. Let's get through some of the ones we got. Two rule changes I'd like to see from Alan. 50-50 calls go for the Warriors and the Phoenix get rid of VAR and football. Cheers, Alan. Yeah, let's right the wrongs of the previous years. 50-50, just Warriors and the Phoenix get rubber the green. That'd be a nice change. Staffy, rule changes from Tony. Lineouts, not straight if opposition don't jump. No not straight calls if the opposition don't jump. Yes, you must contest it to get the not straight call. Don't mind that. Surfing. You can push your opponent off their board, make it a contact sport. <laughs> There's that snowboarding one, that free-for-all, isn't there? They just all start and it's just a mad dash to the bottom. What's that called? Um, what's it called, Sammy? I just think it's called downhill snowboarding at the Olympics. Yeah, we, you th- they just, just go out the gates. It's like BMX, basically, but it's on snowboards. They, I think it's just they, called downhill snowboarding. And they do it in kayaking as well. It's fantastic. Do they go in like a group in, in, in a kayaks? Group, and that's pretty just, cool. First to the corner, and there was a there was a video game, Manai. You might remember this, where you were on mountain cross bikes, and as you came up next to someone, you could like kick them off their bike and punch them off their bike. I do remember this. Um, uh, I can't remember what it was called. Yeah, though. so uh, maybe something similar, where you just as you're going past someone. Something we mentioned this morning. I know you're going to get all these texts there. Something we mentioned this morning, and um, I don't think someone brought it up when they called. Um, do we talk about the People's Olympics? No. And like this has been floated by a million people before, and I just think. Even though it's a bit of a laugh, would it not be one of the most watched events in the world? You just get a letter in the mail. Mark Stafford, you've been selected to run the 400 metres at the People's Olympics for New Zealand. And people just get a random letter in the mail of all shapes and sizes, all abilities, all ages, and just get drafted to an event. Like, you could be an eight-year-old and you get an invite to do the 100 metres for your country. The People's Olympics. Pe- the People's See, Olympics. I think it's census time. There should be a little box. Would you like to go in the People's Olympics draw? Yep. And then you get four months to mm-hmm. prepare for it. So I might get a, a thing in the mail saying, uh, as you tick the box in the Olympics, uh, congratulations, mate. You're going to the People's Olympics, and you're competing in javelin. Good luck. What if it was actually four? Like, what if you got four years? Oh, four and, years. And, but you just had to do it. Sort of with along with you, you had to fit it in along your daily life in your job. So like you would, you knew you for four years, you knew you were going to the People's Olympics for the four hundred meters, and you only could do training three nights a week because on Tuesdays and Fridays you've got bridge or something like you know, like you just have to. You're not a professional. You're just doing it part time. Because on the off chance you meddled, like that would go viral. <laughs> oh, 
I, would, would people not just clamour to watch that on TV? Everyday people. Yeah, oh, yeah. Just as, as I said this morning, you'd, you'd get an interior decorator taking on a mechanic, taking on an author, taking on a forestry worker mm-hmm. in the 400-metre hurdles. Yeah. And you're from all different countries. And would you not, I mean, and maybe this is a bit disingenuous, but if in the regular Olympics you know that we've got Mark Stafford competing the 400 metres, he barely qualified, he just got in. It's great that he's there and we, we're proud. 90% of New Zealanders aren't going to watch that person because mm. they sort of know you're not going to make the final, you're not going to win a medal, whereas everyone's going to watch you know, Tom Walsh and Lisa Carrington because they know they're going to win. With the People's Olympics, you you'd, see, no you'd see, hey, we've got a Kiwi in this, right? And you just you wouldn't know where they're going to finish, so you'd <laughs> want to watch it. The People's Olympics, come on. And in between, they could play like a little clip of how the guy's training's gone. Yeah, imagine the sports doco following your progress. Wow. The and, drive to survive. And there might be just random like decent athletes in there uh, or maybe we close it off to like say pro athletes but say there's someone who toiled away you know and is 30 years old really athletic and just becomes a superstar mm. like gets close to like a world record or something you know what was there was a show in australia another one you're thinking of billy slater won it yes yeah what <laughs> so there was a it was a competition where they got a bunch of people i think mostly athletes, something no and they were trying to find the best athlete and they had to like climb a wall and you know, run 10Ks and all this kind of right, random okay, stuff. Right, yeah, that makes sense. Billy Slater went on it and just obliterated everyone. Wow. There was one way back in the day, uh, and it was called, it was a New Zealand one, and it was was just something called Superstars or something like that, mm-hmm. and athletes from a whole lot of different disciplines all competed against each other. Uh, John Walker was in it. Uh, Precious McKenzie was in it. Oh. And there was the, um, you know, the gym you do the tricep dip. Yep. And it was to see who could do the most tricep dips. Um, so the leader was on, they got to about 40, then Precious McKenzie got up, and he did 40, and he smiled, and then he just kept going, and going, and going, <laughs> and going. But they were in sprinting races, and climbing fence races, and tugs of war, and arm wrestles. and Love it. Uh, I would love to see, you know, Tom Walsh taking on um, Ethan Blackadder in mm. a 100 metre sprint, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, Totally. I think it's got legs. Yeah, I think it's got legs. Uh, we've got some more to get through. Um, I'm go- I want Manaya to tell us his conversions one too, eventually. Uh, stop the dangerous practice of cleaning out, tackling without the ball, defending team to be back five metres from the scrum in rugby. I, I really don't enjoy the clean out. It is, it's, it's horrible. It really is. Uh, rugby rule change from Barry and Christchurch. Props to have grips. Props to have grips on the jersey similar to line-out jumpers having lifting grips. It will assist the grip on tight jerseys, making it safer and faster with less scrum collapses. I'm no technician, but if it stops scrum collapses, Barry, I am 100% with you. Staffy, bring back rucking and pick players from your own region. Crusaders wouldn't be able to field a team. Oh, I read that one earlier. Bring back rucking. Thank you, Ken. Um, Glenn from Buller. Rugby penalties and drop goals down to two points. Yeah. I don't feel like a penalty should be worth 60% of what a try is worth. A try is a lot harder to score than a penalty. Afternoon, lads. For soccer, if you roll around on the ground trying to get a foul, you should have to wear a fairy dress for the rest of the game. (laughs) It's a bit like Manias Donald Duck. Yeah, it's an even more humiliating one than the Donald Duck card. <laughs> in soccer, when awarded a penalty, the person who caused the offence has to be the keeper for the spot kick. Oh, I like that. Actually, I got sent one on Twitter. 
I got someone on Twitter. I think Simon can't text us, but I like these. I think Manai will like these too. Try scorers have to take the conversion. Yeah, like um, JAB rugby. That's what we used to have to do. Oh, did you? Yeah. Uh, so if you were a terrible kicker, you would just scream for someone to come and score the try for you. <laughs> and yellow and red cards, the other team chooses who sits in the sin bin. Mm. Mm. I, I don't mind that. I did, I, did I tell my Uno card on uh, online here? No, you haven't. On here? Uh, so basically, I've told this before, but each team captain gets an Uno card, an Uno reverse card. So if a player on their team is awarded a red card, they can then pull out their reverse card and a player on the opposite team gets a red card. Oh, or alternatively, you have the whole Uno deck and you just draw the top card. It could either be a reverse card or it could be a draw four. <laughs> and now you've got five players in the bin. <laughs> That's loose. That would spice it up a little bit. That's loose. Um, hi, guys. Two for me in golf. Um, where's that gone? Here it is. No placing in the fairways, but placing in the rough. Formalise the mulligan rule where you get to hit again once in a round. You yell mulligan before the ball hits the ground or leaves the property. <laughs> mulligan! As it's heading out of bounds or in towards the trees. You yell mulligan, hits the tree and bounces in the fairway, but you've played your mulligan. I do like a mulligan. Do like a mulligan. I have a rule, because I try and keep my score as accurate as I can, that the mulligan that I like is if it doesn't, it's actually a general rule, if it doesn't go off the tee box, you can re-tee up. Do you know that? That's like a genuine proper rule. If you drive... Or something doesn't go past the tee box, you can retake it. Do you know that? That's bollocks. No, nah, it's hundred percent. I can look it up for you. There was a story came up by Golf Digest the other day. It said like ten rules about golf that you you wouldn't know, and one of them was if it doesn't go past the tee box, you can retake it without a penalty. So if you nick it right on the top and it falls off the tee, you can go again. Correct. I'll look up. I'll look it up for you. You look that up because ha- I. However, I'm I've got a general when I play. If it doesn't go more than thirty meters, you can mully it. Like really? you know those ones where you just sort of nick it and it rolls down. Mm. And it just feels just Clayton from Clayton Ethan. from Ethan. <laughs> <laughs> Got you back, Manai. Great to have you back. Um, yeah, I, I, I just feel like it's not a fair reflection of your golf you ability. Just if, you, if your tee shot doesn't go past the ladies' tee, you buy the first round of drinks. That's a rule. I don't know that. Mm. Good rule. Did mm. I? Yeah. Did I tell you just quickly about? When I was playing a couple of weeks ago, and I walked into the clubhouse with my hat on. Oh, Sam! Oh, but this is no Steph, because this is what annoys me about golf is that the pe- the and look, I'll go out there, I'll be ageist, I'll say it's the older people, okay, who are stuck in these like traditional sort of ways. Like I walked in, I literally, I ha- actually had my cap off, but I walked in, sat down, had some beers with the boys, and then as I was leaving, I put my cap on and left. And as I walked past, a lady goes, "We'll have two Sauvignon Blancs, please." And I was like, "Excuse me, two Sauvignon Blancs." Head on in the club room. And I just like was okay. And then she was like, nah, we'll leave it this time. And I was like, is that funny? I just it's just those rules of golf that really annoy me. And it's just the like tradition. move on. Well, but I like tradition generally. But it's just like that sort of stuff. And like there's a course in Auckland where you're not allowed to wear black socks. Really? Yeah. Won't say which one, but you're not allowed to wear black socks. I mean, that's stupid. <laughs> I just find that so stupid. And even the collared shirt thing. It's like, why do people have to look good? You see, I'm a lot older than you. I know. And there was a golf club that I... Frequented? Frequented. You had to wear a collared shirt and a blazer into the club. Oh, seriously? Yeah. Why? And you weren't allowed to wear jeans. And you want your sport to grow with, you know, a modern... Well, it, I doubt it'll be that now, but certainly the caps, I can't see that changing for a long time in the clubhouse. Oh, you, you're messing it. with a, a sport that's over a century old. Here's a good one. Cricket. I like this one, Craig. A ball hit over the boundary at a distance of 80 to 100 metres is seven runs. 
over 100 metres is eight runs. So it's a six if it sneaks over, seven if it's 80 to 100. Don't mind any of these. Um, oh, there's so many good ones. Give the scrum feed, give the scrum feed winning team the option of a free kick. Teams can run the risk of picking a lighter, more mobile forward pack and always pick free kicks or the reverse. Pick a heavy dominant pack, etc. take the scrum. It should speed the game up. Steve from Auckland. You've put some thought into that, Steve, and I appreciate you texting it through. Um, I assume Chiefs fans are fine with losing Damian McKenzie and Brodie Retallick if teams can only have players from their regions. Then you get into what is their region. Damian Southland, then went to Christchurch, and then went to Hamilton for uni. What's his region? Uh, it's the old, um, it's the old state of origin argument. In cricket, bring back the Red King two-piece swing ball for test matches, or have a case full of different condition balls, and the bowler can pick whichever one he wants. Could open the bowling with a spinner with a ball over ninety overs old, and then the second over have a brand new one. <laughs> Nice. Oh, we'll go to the phones. Brenton's got one, has he? Is he going to talk to us? Oh, I don't know. I'll read another text. Hey, guys, I definitely don't agree with getting rid of the mark. It would just become a massive bomb and kick fest. Brenton's there now. G'day, Brenton. Hey, boys, how are you? Good, Brenton. That's good. Hey, I don't know if that rule's too... Uh, I don't think that's the rule there uh, made about getting it off the tee box. I don't either, right? I don't know if that's... I've been playing golf for 20, 30 years. The only, there is a technicality if you, if you haven't Nudge addressed it. your ball and you have a practice swing yeah. and you hit the ball accidentally, yeah, you can re- replay that shot. Because I remember either, might have been Danny Lee or Tiger Woods did it in a tournament and he like just nicked the edge of his club and went a bit sideways and, it, and they, he got to replay it. So I don't, but I'm pretty sure if you've addressed the ball, I don't think you can now. No, I think if you address it, because I actually am prone to doing this, even if you're addressing it and before you take it away, if your driver nudges the ball off the tee, I think you're allowed to put it back on if you haven't made a swing. Yeah, if you, yeah you're definitely allowed to do that. Definitely allowed to do that, yeah. If you haven't made a swing, but if you've had a swing in it and, it gets, and you just nick it and it goes uh, one millimetre or whatever, you still have to, you have to play your next one from the ground right there. Good stuff, yeah. I think Sammy's completely wrong, but I'm enjo- I'm going to enjoy playing with him because if it doesn't go off the tee box, I'm going to invoke the Sam rule of golf. You're going to you're going to get uh, paid with the uh, whiskey, or you know, getting past the ladies either. There, <laughs> whiskey's in. You know that rule, don't that's you? Yeah. Oh, that's the rules, that, mate. That's it, mate. <laughs> Good make, man. Make sure he drives that day. Make sure make sure he drives you the golf that day, mate. You might, sounds like you might have a few. <laughs> Yeah, I will. Brenton, good yarning. Yeah. Cheers, buddy. Cheers, mate. Yep. Cool. We've got a lot more rule changes to get through, but we'll take a break and we'll come back after that. Uh, just bringing you up to date on the cricket. Um, England are 168 for five. They need another 90 runs, basically. England need 90 runs. New Zealand need five wickets. Uh, another rule change come through on Twitter from our mate, the Warrior Holic. Get rid of OBs in golf. One penalty, drop it where the ball crosses the line. I like that. So you're hitting your third from where it crossed the line. I like that. And get rid of the rolling mall in rugby union. The guy with the ball is offside, so call him for being offside. What about being allowed to tackle the guy that's in the rolling mall that's got the ball? You just dive into the mall and take him out. Don't mind that.
Don't mind that. Uh, we go back to the lines and we've got Zaid. G'day, Zaid. Hi. What about a steroids Olympic for the Russians out there? Love it. Love it, mate. Steroid it up. The, the juiced Olympics. <laughs> yeah. You'll have people sweating green liquid from themselves. And I've got one for the UFC. Yep. And o- o- a woman and men's open weight division. Women and men fight each other. No, like, so women, the heaviest woman and the heaviest men both have a division each and you don't, you don't have to weigh in. Oh, yeah, just, just, just come, come whatever shape, size you are and let's go. Yeah. Get some enormous. Get the biggest dudes out there. <laughs> like, like 200 kg men fighting each other would be crack up, I reckon. Oh, it'd be amazing. They'd probably go through the cage, though, Zade. <laughs> bust... and, um, and for rugby, a penalty shootout if it's tied. Oh, they, they do that. They, I think they do that in the premiership in the UK. I don't know whether they still do, but there's the famous one that yeah. um, Martin Williams, the Welsh hooker, uh, the Welsh flanker, missed from in front. Really? In a kickoff, yeah. Be, I, yeah, be, I like it. It'd be, it'd be good seeing a pop give it a go. Oh, it'd be fantastic. You won't be old enough to remember, but there, there was a prop that played for Auckland many years ago called Steve Watt, and he was the goal kicker. Little uh, Topoke, really? he was the goal kicker for Auckland. Ken will remember him. Yeah, imagine seeing like Nepo Lalala take a penalty goal. Oh, I'd love it. I'd love it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> good man, Zay. Thank you. Cheers, buddy. Enjoy your date. We go to Canterbury and Kenny. G'day, Kenny. Hey, Steffi. What have you got? Oh, I, I'd quite like to um, have a right of reply to Ken. I think he said earlier that uh, there should be a rule you can't poach, and uh, <laughs> we did have that rule, then Canterbury wouldn't have a team to field, but we'd probably have 15 of the best first fives in the country. Yes, you would. You are, yeah, yeah. You, you can't put 15 blokes out on the field with 10 on their jersey, though. They all would have come out of boys' high as well. Yeah, what a what a nursery that is. It's unreal. <laughs> the factory. Yeah. <laughs> the what? first five factory. The first five factory. Yes, I know. There's uh, Canterbury first fives not only all over New Zealand but all over the world and in coaching boxes now. I know Tyler Blindell was in the coaching box of the Hurricanes. Yeah, yeah. There's talent all over the show from Canterbury, you know. Yeah. Oh. Hey, I want to get Sammy's opinion on this one, though. Um, a bit of a rule, a, a twofold rule in rugby, uh, where you don't have to have previous international coaching experience to be an All Blacks coach, or you don't have to be part of the previous coaching setup. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah, yeah, that's a universal love it. Okay. Yeah. You know, you know, I'm a proud, been... proud Waikato and Chiefs man, Kenny, but even I know that Fozzie's not the man for the job. <laughs> Oh, maybe, maybe you're not delusional then, Sammy. <laughs> great, try, great try for Waikato against Auckland in the 93 Ranfurly Shield match at Eden Park to win the game for Waikato, but not the right man for the That'll Olympics. That'll be the last time you had the Shield, wouldn't it? Careful, careful. <laughs> big, big, big rain back in, oh, was it 2017, 2018? We had a bit of a rain there, Steph, for half a season. Um, but everyone knows that the best stories from the Ranfurly Shield come out of the Waikato. Just ask Stephen Beaver Donald on the drive show. <laughs> you, 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 don't, you don't want to talk to Steph about the Shield. No, you have to go too far back in the memory, mate. No, no, no. Is it, I think your line's cutting out now, Kenny. Uh, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no a little bit scratchy. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Uh, Sammy, Sammy. Cheers, fellas. Yeah. Uh, let's have a talk to Sean. G'day, Sean. Yeah, g'day, Mark. How are you? Good, thanks, Sean. I just want to, uh, good, I just want to before I get on to the uh, rule change, Sam was uh, uh, teeing off and it doesn't cross the uh, 
pegs, or what do you call them, um, you get another shot. That's not counted. So if you have an ear shot teeing off, uh, um, Sam's saying it doesn't count. No, no, I've done, I've done the, the research and looked it up, so a bit of a hybrid of what I was talking about. So if your ball doesn't go past the tee box, you can, you can re-tee. You don't have to play it, say, where it lies, but you do, it is a stroke. So, you know, so you're playing your second you off the tee. You are playing your second off the tee, but you can re-tee it. So I, hypothetically, if you hit the ball and it went straight into it and you, you bombed it, but it went straight into a, te- a tree and bounced back onto the tee box, I think under the rules you could theoretically retake it as your second shot. You know, rather than playing where it lies, but you, you can, can still use the tea. Yeah, you can see it. Are you hundred percent sure of this? I'll literally read you. I've still got the, no, the article no. open. I'll read you. I'll read it. I'll read it to you. I've got no. it right here. Uh, <clears throat> if the ball stays in the teeing area, you can re-tee it without penalty. The tee ball can be moved to another spot in the teeing area, and the golfer can play his or her second shot from there. But if it rolls ahead of the tee marker, you must play it where it lies. Tee marker. Yeah, well, yeah, right, back the, the tee marker. Back in your day, Mark, in my day, we just dropped from the tee and played it from beside the tee. Yes. Rules change. Mm. Apparently. Look, guys, I'm just reading what I've, I'm just reading anyway, what I've got in front of me. The rule change that I want, and I know, um, you know, I've only been playing golf a short time, <laughs> but I get sick of absolute choppers winning a golf tournament because of putting. The rule change I want is the hole to be twice the size. It'll speed the game up. Instead of taking four hours, you'll get around a lot quicker. And the best player will win, not the best putter. Oh. So double the size of the golf hole, Sean. Yes. I like that. Then you've got, I've seen it over the last few years, of absolute choppers chopping it down the fairway, holding a 20-footer, and the guy that's on the green nicely missing it from 15 feet and they have the same score. It's just wrong. Very wrong. How, how long? Size, how, size, speed the game up. how long have you been playing golf, Sean? I've probably just started, really, about the last 40, 57 years. <laughs> uh, how important's a caddy? How important's a caddy to a golfer? I just want to comment on one other thing that Sam said also mm. uh, regarding the clubhouse, uh, wearing a jacket, that sort of thing. Yep. Back in my day. I remember winning a major tournament in an area and I wasn't allowed in the clubhouse because I was under 18 to collect the prize. Really? You weren't, you weren't allowed in the clubhouse until you are 18. You weren't allowed to play in the club champs until you are 18, even though you were the best player in the club. And there was many in our club that were really good players. You weren't allowed to play in the club champs. Wow. Oh, well, there's been some improvements over the years, Sean. Oh, looks like he's dropped out. Good to hear from you, Sean. We'll take new sport and weather. We'll come back after that. Yeah, hi there. Hey, just, just a quick comment before I, I mention the rules change. Um, with regards to hats and jackets, etc., in, in the clubhouse, uh, golf's very much a game of self-regulation. So you self-referee yourself a lot. Mm. Now, if you can't obey a rule like no caps in the clubhouse, what makes the members think that you're going to obey the rule of rules on the course? I see what you're saying, but do you feel like society these days, like you can wear a cap into a restaurant, into a bar, into a cafe, pretty much anywhere except for a golf club? Uh, Well, yeah, there are some traditions that last a long time. Like I remember going to one clubhouse and um, 
in my haste in the morning, I'd thrown a zip-up leather jacket, and it wasn't a disgraceful jacket, it was quite stylish. Anyway, I got accosted at the bar in the afternoon, and I said, look, I'm really sorry, I've thrown the wrong jacket by mistake, and he said, oh, there's a jacket behind the bar. Okay, so I went and grabbed that, put that on over the top of the other one, sat down, because this guy was wandering around in his tennis shoes, okay? Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> At the end of it, after a couple of beers, and I was feeling just a little bit more cheeky than I should have been, I went up to the guy and said, well, thank you very much, sir, for the loan of the jacket. You're most, you know, and I, my club is so-and-so, and you're most welcome out there, but just don't you dare wear your tennis shoes. <laughs> so, of course, then we got hauled in front of the board and the, the drama. But I, I, I make the point more that if you, if that is a rule of the club and you're not prepared to abide by that, what makes you think that you're actually going to be abiding by the rules of the, on the course? Because you have to self-police. So I think that's a little bit of it. Hey, anyway, and into a rule change, I'd quite like to see in football them experiment and try having the offside line on the edge of the penalty area instead of the halfway line. So in other words, if you're, um, if you're on the defensive side of a line that's level with the edge of the penalty area, then you can't be offside. Very much like if you're in your own half, you can't be offside. Right. And so it would mean then that would stretch the game, open it up, more goals, which is what everybody wants. It sure is. It re- it sure is. That does need more goals. I agree with you. I don't I don't like uh, one and a half hour game nil all one nil. Oh, I don't I don't mind it, but it seems to be you know a bit more of a purist probably than some. So I really enjoy the odd nil all draw. If you take the Liverpool Palace game on the weekend, I mean the post. Post and Bar got hit about half a dozen times by each team, I think. <laughs> and so it doesn't mean to say that there's no incident, uh, but just because it's in the law doesn't mean it hasn't been an exciting game. Mm. Mm. Yeah. But I, th- I think really, as an experiment, as I say, you can't just throw these changes in, you've got to experiment. So I'd quite like to see a couple of games of football whereby they make an offside line level with the edge of the penalty area. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Good on you, Ian. Good chatting. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Catch you. Cheers, mate. Uh, TAB time. Righto, let's go to Mr. TAB. The cricket is alive and kicking. Five wickets versus 90 runs. Give us the prices, Poppy. <laughs> hey, Steph. Yeah, we've got uh, the Black Caps sitting at 5.50. This price obviously got a little bit shorter during that uh, mad morning uh, of wickets for the Black Caps. Uh, they did touch favouritism for a very brief moment there. Uh, and England are $1.10. The draw was well, one hundred and forty-one dollars. So it's all about either which team wins. Five fifty for New Zealand. There was some money for the Black Caps pre-first ball uh, of day number five two, hovering around that six-dollar ten price. So there were some punters that were keen to snaffle that, uh, but yeah, it's all around the the English at a dollar ten. Where we have seen traction in these markets has been around next man out. Now, of course, Ben Stokes looks to be playing on one leg. We've seen good support for him to be the next man out. At a dollar seventy-two, Joe Root doesn't look like getting out. He's a dollar ninety-five, and then if you wanted to go another way, uh, you could look at Court, which is a dollar thirty-four in terms of method of next dismissal. And again, if you want to go again on the uh, next wicket uh, in terms of when it will fall, uh, and that being the runs, and currently over one hundred and ninety-two and a half is the favourite at $1.60 for when the sixth wicket will fall. So, yep, still still a fair bit to bet on staff, even if it's not just the head-to-head market. 
uh, in terms of next wicket and, and things like that. Yeah, it's going to be uh, scintillating to follow this over the next uh, two or three hours. So we will keep everyone up to date. Of course, they're still at lunch at the moment. Uh, American sports always a feature midweek for the TRB, though, Pops. Yep, and we've seen a number of sort of punters flying around at different multis. Uh, look, the, the better back teams for today were the Celtics, the Pelicans, the Hornets, and the 76ers. That was the most popular multi uh, in terms of head-to-head betting. Uh, if you're looking at uh, anything NBA-wise, uh, with the Pelicans sort of around that, that 154 mark. And, of course, we've got Magic Round coming up. Uh, they call it Magic Round? What is, is the Super Rugby called? Um, I'm not sure what it's called. Round. It is something like that. Yeah, anyway, it's going to be super a Super Round uh, in Melbourne. And we've got ourselves the Crusaders well-backed in terms of the winning team in margin. Uh, $1.70 against the Highlanders. And already we've seen takers of the fifteen around the Crusaders on a bounce back uh, against the Highlanders who did get a... Uh, sort of taken to by the Blues. And in terms of the Rugby League, uh, everybody wants to pile on the Roosters uh, at a dollar eleven so far. 91% of our bets against the Dolphins have all been with the Roosters uh, in that particular game. So, yep, there's a bit to look forward to coming up over the weekend. Boy, there sure is. All right, Pops, we'll reconvene later in the week. Golden try. I'd love to see a golden try instead oh, of golden points. Yes, yes, indeed. Make them earn that win. Yes, and then after every 30 seconds or a minute, you get to take a player off each side. So then it gets down and you just keep playing until it might be two on two, three on three. Yeah, um, yeah that's what I'd like to see. I love a drop-off too. We're on the same page. Good on you, Pops. Good man. Cheers, Cheers mate. Um, take it easy. We will take a break now. And on the other side, uh, we'll catch up with John Edsid. Uh, who was the leader of the 1982 World Cup campaign on the back of this very sad news that Grant Walker, Walker, Grant Turner, has passed away after a year-long battle with cancer. So John Adsid will join us after the break. Burley, of course, coming up next. It'll be Christchurch. We had a chance to speak with the two-time America's Cup champion, Peter Burling, about what it'll be like to sail in New Zealand. See it, feel it, be there. Find out where to catch all the action live on the water. Go to sailgp.com forward slash watch. By air, by sea. From international freight to domestic parcels, Vertical Logistics delivers solutions to get your goods to their destination. Whether you're relocating, shipping a vehicle, or simply need an overseas or domestic courier, Vertical Logistics partners make it easy to meet your needs with their amazing local and global coverage. Vertical Logistics, leading the way in personalising your freight services. For freight solutions including customs clearance, experience the detailed level of service that is Vertical Logistics. Visit verticallogistics.co.nz. Howdy country music lovers. Got a special country music festival coming up in March to get to? If so, make sure you get your new gear from Ringers Western. Their exclusive range of festival wear is designed for the perfect fit to suit your individual country style and a first pick for all country music fans. So if you're looking for festival fits to help you stand out from the crowd, get into the cowboy spirit and check out ringersweston.com. Ringers Western, your partner in country music. John, do you know what would be good? What? One forklift company to handle all my needs. New, second-hand and rental forklifts, big, small, electric, LPG and diesel with backup parts and service I can rely on. Ah, uh, Mike, you should give Crown a call. What do you mean? Crown can help with all that and more. Crown, the one and only call to make for all your material handling needs. There is nothing like a Crown. 
Check it out at crown.com or call 0800 802 002. No risk, no worries. Trot's Talk with harness racing experts Greg O'Connor and Michael Guerin. Your place for all things harness racing. Whether you're a casual punter, long-time fan or involved in the industry, Trot's Talk will keep you on top of the news that matters and source the best punting information available straight from the horse's mouth. Harness racing. Get amongst it. Live the dream. Get involved in harness racing today. Visit hrnz.co.nz. Sundays from 11am to 12pm on SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. Ironman champions Hannah Berry and myself, Braden Curry, are proud to be Ansco Foods ambassadors on a mission to bring nutrition and good health with New Zealand's finest beef and lamb. Ansco Foods is a premier partner of the Nutrigrain Ironman New Zealand 2023 and 2024 events in Taupo. Head to anscofoods.com forward slash Ironman to find out more. Ansco Foods, putting the iron in Ironman with New Zealand's finest beef and lamb. The Run Home on SENZ. Damien McKenzie giving one lucky listener a chance to go and play golf at Tiaki Golf Club. Who's the better golfer? Oh, we, we have our days. I'm probably a little baby, a little Why bit more Why is laughing? Oh, Leonard Brown's rubbish. He's rubbish. Yeah, he's rocks the diamonds, old Yavi. Get your Macca's favourites delivered with Mick Delivery and Rotoflex by Blunston. Stability meets the freedom to move. Kirsten Beef back today from 4pm on SENZ. Thanks to the SCNZ app, I've been tuning in at all hours of the day. From Izzy to Ricardo, what a roster we have on SCNZ. It's Kiwi for sport. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz, helping you tune out your annoying workmate. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SCNZ. Grant Turner, it's a, it's a sad day for the football uh, fraternity, John, and um, thank you for talking to us today. What... What are your memories of, of Grant Turner, the man? A lot of memories. A lot of memories, of course. he. Uh, I remember when he first, uh, don't forget, Grant's, uh, I think, a Patoni boy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was a, a hard character. Um, I think he never had it easy in life. Whatever he got, he battled for it. Um, and bring him into the all-whites, with his tattooed hands and his tattooed chest, he was a different breed, um, and took a, quite a while for him to accept that he had the right to be there. Quite honestly, he doubted himself for a long time, um, but uh, as everybody knows, he came through that and got onto the qualifying campaign and finished up playing such a major role in uh, in that World Cup. Um, he'll be remembered forever for, for quite a number of things. He had a real edge to him, didn't he? And was that part, like, he became a natural selection for your team. So what what were his qualities as a player that made him a, a, a simple selection for you, John? He had no fear. No fear whatsoever. He would, uh, he was strong, and he, and he, he played with an intensity that uh, not all players play. Um, and you've got skillful ball players, and you've got the ones that want to win the ball and play the ball and work as a team player. But he did it with such a strength and an intensity. It was very much in the same vein as Steve Sumner, um, that you wanted him on your side and you don't want to play against him. He, he wasn't, you never, in my uh, 
set up got red card, is he? he wasn't a dirty player or anything like that. But he had this intensity. That was uh, there was a good example in Indonesia when the uh, long ball from Richard Wilson and Grant broke from his own half. The goalkeeper was rushing out, and it was the goalkeeper or Grant. <laughs> and I think the goalkeeper realised what he was going up against about a metre away, and he got he, well. He didn't get the ball. Grant did and scored. Um, but it, uh, that was an, a typifying moment. For Grant Turner, he was going to get that ball. Didn't matter what was in front of him. If I was to say to a younger generation, greatest header uh, for an All Whites game, people might choose Rory Fallon's against Bahrain. I will choose Grant Turner's against Australia. That was an incredible moment in sport for New Zealand. That header. Well, I've got a tremendous amount of time for Rory Fallon. Known him since he was a child. Uh, spent a lot of time with him. Uh, was nobody who was more proud. His father was next to me and was very proud. Mm. Uh, but when Rory got that goal against Bahrain, then uh, it was a super goal. But I'm sorry, it was not even close to being in the same class as uh, as Grant Turner's. If you look at Grant Turner's goal from start to finish, from the build-up, because um, we started it down by our own penalty area, and you look at the football that was played and the quality of the cross that came in, um, it's unbelievable. The athleticism I never even knew he possessed um, was just astounding. I, I think he would go a long way in football to analyse from start to finish a better goal. Legend. Do you feel like people didn't really appreciate his footballing ability because the concentration was on his hard edge and his combativeness, but underneath all of that, he had very good football skills? Well, a football team's a jigsaw puzzle, um, and it's getting those pieces of the puzzles fitted in correctly. And um, when you looked in particular, um, Duncan Cole, who's no longer with us, Steve Sumner's no longer with us, and now we've lost Grant. But there were three of the, the great midfield players. They all had the edge of being tough. Uh, they had no fear, but they all had the variance little changes in what they were capable of doing. But they fitted like a glove, those three. And uh, you probably find, you don't find those sort of things very often in football life. But Grant was a specialist in what he did, um, an absolute specialist in what he did. And that left-hand side was always safe, in my opinion, when Grant Turner was patrolling that area in a defensive and terrific supporting player. I think he scored 14 goals in the campaign. Yeah, and, and the other thing, you talk about you don't see a lot in football. The other thing is the unity of that 82 group. And sadly, when we see the people starting to pass, like you've mentioned, Steve and Duncan and now Grant, the unity of that group that you put together and held together, even though you haven't played together for a long, long time, there's still a glue that connects you all, isn't there, John? Uh, second to none. Um, we had a meeting. They had a, a reunion in, uh, in Auckland just last uh, June, July. Um, and it's it's amazing when you when you get together with these lads. Um, they're all older now. They're all you know in the sixties, but it's like you're still in the dressing room. The bands are still the same. They have you know it's fantastic. 
um, the environment that we built around that team for them to play in um, still lives, still lives on today. Well, John, I appreciate you on what is a difficult day, I'm sure, for all of your group that shared so many ups and downs and successes. But the comrade, uh, the camaraderie for me is is the big one from that that campaign that you so ably led. So I really appreciate you talking us today and what must be a tough day for all of you and your group. It is, and, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about it. Very great, John Etzid. Um Very sad day for the football fraternity. And uh, do go if you can't remember that goal, do go and have a look from 1981, May 16, New Zealand beating Australia 2-0. Um, <clears throat> wonderful moment in New Zealand football, um, and it really... Really the first time we'd, we'd made noise on the international stage. And John Atsid, Grant Turner, Steve Sumner, Duncan Cole, Buzzer Mackay, Steve Wooden, Winton Roofer, um, Alan Both. Uh, oh, so many, so many. Um, very sad day, but we do appreciate John Atsid coming on. We will take a break. We'll get through some more of your rule changes. We've got some rippers, and we've got a heap to get through, so stick around. Oh, we've had some ripper rule changes. I think I've stumbled across the best one of the day so far, and it comes from Brendan. It says, Sweet Caroline should be banned from all New Zealand sports stadiums. I am 100% on board. You know that. In league, when a player knocks a ball on purpose to stop a try, uh, attacking play should be a penalty to the attacking team, not a yellow card like in Union. Yes. Um, to further deter no balls in cricket, the free hit must be bowled with the non-dominant hand. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to, it'd just be constant wides if I was the bowler, i give you the tip. Hey, Steph, uh, first rolling mall try, five points. Second rolling mall try from less than 10 metres, three points. Third or more rolling tries from less than 10 metres, two points. Any rolling mall tries from more than 10 metres at any time, a penalty try to the opposition. Rolling malls, I don't know many people that are in favour, actually, of rolling malls. We've got a lot more to get through, and they are some absolute beauties. And I've messaged Jimmy Smith across the ditch for when we talk to him at two, uh, 3.45, see what ones he can come up with as well, and we'll share some of the ones we've got from you good people out there. Um, New Zealand still need five wickets. England still need 68 runs. Stokes on 28. Root on 88. It's looking more and more in England's favour. Come on, you black caps. Couple of wickets. Couple of wickets. Is that the same song? Is that the same song, Sam? No, it's not. Uh, um, Smithy's birthday. If you're listening in, Smithy, hope you're having a good day. Hope you. Can you play? I don't even know what state the golf courses are in in Hawke's Bay at the moment. Um, this is actually Twister. Uh, that's Twister. No, yeah. And uh, at one point, I think he had the record for the fastest rap or fastest rapper. There was that yarn going around. Pretty quick on the tongue. Who's the guy that played Harry Potter? Stack it up. Yeah, that was Twister. <laughs> no, the guy that played Harry Potter. Dan Radcliffe. Yeah, so he can rap the fastest ever rap. He did it oh. on Jimmy Kimmel. Oh, wow. Mm. I, look. Oh, I think I actually might have seen that. Um, Eminem's done a pretty fast one as well. Is it rap got? Which one's a really fast Eminem one? Who knows? But uh, tune. Tune. Yeah. Tune, tune. Um, I'm going to get to these tech messages. If you've sent them in, I am going to get through them with all of your great ideas for rule changes, but we have a pressing engagement. And we're going to go up to the UK. UK rugby commentator Sam Roberts, he joins us. And I, for one, Sam, I've been very much enjoying the Six Nations. In fact, I think a lot of New Zealand 
has been joining the Six Nations, uh, which we haven't always done. But does it surprise you that New Zealand are really enjoying this current instalment of the Six Nations? No, I don't think it does. I, I, I think, you know, when you, when you look at the product that's that, that's coming out and the sort of games that are being played, you know, you mentioned those two teams, that, that game between Ireland and France was was pretty electric, wasn't it? You know, to, to, to switch on your TV screens and see both teams going at it like that. And, you know, and, and I think other teams are, are slowly but surely trying to follow suit. I'd, I'd add Italy to that, to that, to that sort of mm. credibility. I mean, they, they aren't winning but they are playing some good rugby they they scared Ireland a little at the weekend and and Kieran Crowley has got them going in the right direction and playing the right sort of rugby the right sort of attractive uh the right sort of intent behind their rugby and that and that's really important um you know England and Wales are in a slightly different place Scotland are playing some good stuff as well you know the uh the magician that is Finn Russell seems to be doing some good stuff over there so yeah I'm I'm not surprised I'm not surprised I'm glad you know we up in the Northern Hemisphere, you know, we reciprocate the feeling towards Super Rugby and, and you boys, especially in New Zealand. And we love, love watching and tuning into everything that you do. So I'm, I'm pleased that we can do a little bit something for you. I, I don't know whether you heard, but um, All Black um, Brad Webber, All Black Halfback, uh, was asked to comment about a, a tap penalty strike play that resulted in a try for the Chiefs in week one. And they said, where did that come from? And he said, look, to be honest, we're copying the Northern Hemisphere. And he said, yeah. isn't that a surprise that New Zealand or Southern Hemisphere used to be the innovators and the North seemed to try and copy and, and nullify? Oh, my, how the worm has turned. And <laughs> and I thought that was a, a fantastic, truthful admission from someone, and he didn't even struggle to say it as well. So I think that's quite good for the global game. Yes, but I would repay the compliment by suggesting that a huge amount of our rugby know-how in the Northern Hemisphere, you know, lends itself to a few key individuals coming through that, that potentially have, you know, and the game is now very global, isn't it? The game, the game is very much about, you know, being able to connect with a lot of different people. We we, we see a lot more of it. The game is a lot more available uh, through the myriad of, of, of uh, choices that you have to watch the game. That there's a, there's a lot more TV coverage and a, a lot more opportunity in which to get into it. And and I think that's that, that's that's credit to everyone. I I, I can't imagine that. Um, that if the worm has turned, I can't imagine that it's not it's going to stay that way for too long. And I'm sure we, you know you guys will retort. You 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 know the the, the southern hemisphere and, and the rugby you know being played by you guys will will find its own way of uh, of reinventing the wheel. And that's all we're all looking to do, aren't we? I mean, rugby is a pretty simple game in a way. You you try and run with it. You you, you try and pass it well. You try and not get tackled. And 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 that that's basically it. Um, and and so yeah, I think. I think I, I think we're all learning off each other. I think it's nice. It's a nice compliment. I, we'll, we'll take it. But I, I can't imagine it'll be too long before the, the, the shoe is on the other foot. <laughs> you mentioned Italy it was a surprise package. My surprise package in the Six Nations has been Scotland. Um, yes, there's yeah. a couple of big names there, but they're largely unknown in this part of the world anyway. And, and their collective unity, they're sort of like... Sort sort of like an island B, you know, that, and I love the collective yeah. way Ireland play as it's a massive green wave, and we saw it for three tests in New Zealand last year. Scotland seemed to have found something within themselves. I'm used to them being sort of fourth, fifth in the Six Nations. We find them second on the table through points difference. What's been the secret behind the resurgence of Scottish rugby? Um, 
it's difficult to perhaps uh, say anything more than than they, that they've they've had a vision for a while, um, and I think everyone is now uh, pointing in the same direction. Everyone is is sort of there. They've, you know, the last couple of years they've had a few issues around management and and getting the right players in the in, in the right place. And you know, uh, Craig Townsend, who, who's leading them, who incidentally said that actually he felt they had their best game at the weekend uh, in their loss against France. Um, he, he he has worked very hard with his coaches to to, to try and get a, uh, an overview, try and use the right people in the right way, and I, I think that's that's what they've got. And, and also, when you look at them, that there's there's a huge amount of of togetherness. And you know, I I've got a, a friend playing in the northern hemisphere, or I say playing, he has eventually retired. A guy that you might recognise the name of, a guy called Paul Tupai. Yes. And he says that you have to get it, you have to get things right off the pitch before you get them right on the pitch. And I think that's a little bit of what uh, Scotland have done. You don't have to go too far back in history to find out that they weren't getting things right off the pitch. And there was a little bit of, um, there was an unsettled uh, sort of setup to where they were going and, and what they were trying to do. But now they've got that right and they've got the right people in the right zones. You, you can see that the right sort of rugby is being played. And I'm, I'm not surprised um, that the club game has, has always been in, in club game has been in relatively big form for a second there uh the club game's been in pretty good form uh you know of late and i'm pleased to see it, it, it translate into the international stage what you just described there it sounded like you were talking about the all blacks at the moment where the game's uh, okay on the field but off the field it's a shocker <laughs> with all of our coaching dramas over here and who yeah. should be and when they should name and has any of that um Oh, it's a furore down here in New Zealand about the Scott Roberts and Ian Foster thing. Is that leaked up to the Northern Hemisphere? Yeah, it has because obviously you know uh, Scott Scott Robertson has been linked with a, with a couple of different jobs up here, and and, and in fact you know there's, there's there's still people you know sort of linking his name to a number of a number of different roles. I, I suppose we're waiting to see what happens, and we're waiting to see where where, where the cards fall. Um, because he is of interest to a lot of different people up here. And, of course, you know, we, the Northern Hemisphere has got, got a man in, in someone like Warren Gatland, who is who has been a big part of Northern Hemisphere rugby, but is, has been back down there and, 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 and done has been involved, I was going to say, he's done quite well. He's, I'll leave that up to your, your <laughs> listeners to decide whether Warren Gatland did well when he came back for a bit. But, you know, I, I, I think we we follow with interest that the, the coaching uh merry-go-round should we call it that yeah uh that that, that is happening in 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 those parts of the world because we know that, that 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 certain uh decisions or certain choices that you guys make might have an effect on teams like scotland and and and, and teams like uh uh england indeed you know obviously have now sorted themselves out but there, there was a there was a time at one stage where uh just before eddie jones went that that, that scott robertson's name was was being linked to uh to, to things with the, the main job there as well. And, and, and we'll have to see. We'll have to see. The, the amazing thing to me is uh, there's so much talk about Scott Robertson and these, there's been links with Fiji, with Scotland, yeah. um, with England before. No one's linking Ian Foster to anything. Would he be marketable in the Northern Hemisphere if they came out and announced Scott Robertson will be the All Black coach after the World Cup? Do you think Ian Foster's phone would start ringing from the North? I think it would. Um, I think there would possibly be some. Um, I think you'd probably look at, at some seriously uh, good club 
uh, options for him as well. I mean, I, I, it's, it's difficult to say where, where the gap would be internationally. Uh, but I, I can't imagine with the amount of acumen that he has, the amount of know-how that he has, that he's not going to be of interest in, in some shape or form. Um, he doesn't break dance, does he, like Robertson? But, you know, we, 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 I think we'd be interested. <laughs> Fantastic. Hey, um, Ireland, look, to me... They've been scary good for quite a while now, and so they've now got um, repeat of high-class performances in their back pocket. I think Andy Farrell, mm-hmm. I'd argue, is the best coach in the world at the moment. I think he's just innovative. He gets buy-in from his players, and I just keep saying whenever I watch England, no one really stands out. It's 15 yeah. good performances. Um I wanted to know up in the up in the Six Nations world, every game of rugby in New Zealand, even round one, um, all of the post-match review is all about the World Cup. You know, Damien McKenzie's pushing hard for the 10 jersey in the World Cup. Is everything about the World Cup during the Six Nations as well? Yeah, I think you're never too far away from 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 having this as a dress rehearsal, you know, in, in a way, you know, and obviously, you know, Ireland's side of the draw, as you guys know, is is, is it's pretty interesting and you know like with the likes of Scotland starting to play well they're they're looking at that particular group and going well hang on hang on a second who, who gets out of this group you know and, and I suppose that, that that's what's interesting um I think the purists would love the Six Nations to almost be more important I know that sounds ridiculous but but you, you you've got to understand what Six Nations means to the purists over here that the, the guys you know who who have been, uh, you know, in you know, have, have been around this game for for so long, um, but I I I, I don't I, I can't imagine that anyone is really thinking about this particular Six Nations 2023 in any other way than 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 a jostling for position. And it's it's interesting you say that. I had a chat with a with a, a fellow sports broadcaster today about France and and just how they are positioning themselves and how Ireland are positioning themselves. Obviously it's great to win and it's great to beat do you want to show all your cards? Do you want to show all of your stuff? It's 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 an interesting uh conversation to be having and, and I think you know, October's still quite a long way away. There's still potential of, of, of players making a little bit of a bust, a little bit of a run, a little bit of a, a push late on and, and, and different people coming through. But but really, I think we're kind of shaping up to be able to put 15s on a page and be able to sort of see how they go and look against each other. And I think it's going to be, I think, you know, the re- the remaining games of this Six Nations are still going to be connected to the World Cup to answer your question. I, th- I think I think it is. Uh, it's, it's very much on everyone's mind as far as... Uh, as far as you know the not the results but the performances and and what we're seeing and what we can expect next uh, next october i've long been um a little bit disillusioned about the watering down of the importance of a rugby test match that isn't in a world cup i feel like the world cup's great in itself but it's taken away from the Six Nations, from Super Rugby, from Bledisloe Cups, um, Rugby Championships, all of that sort of stuff because it's all... And I know as soon as this Rugby World Cup finishes and the All Blacks, they're losing a lot of players, um, straight away the people are going to be saying, we've got to start building to the next World Cup. And I'm sick of it. I, I want test matches to be important because they, should, because they are, and it seems to have been diluted. Well, it was Eddie Jones's death knell, really. You mm. know, people started to get bit fed up with him continually going on about World Cup cycles and, and, and not not really treating any other test match with the sort of respect that it it deserves. And 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 you know, I, I think 
Um, I think it's I think it's something that really uh, started to irk a lot of people uh, about the way he was going about it, and I I I, I can agree with you. I mean, I, I I think that's that's a it's it's a very key thing. I think World Cups are important, but you know I I think we we got to look at slightly different setups and and getting the right team for right now to play the best rugby right now is the most important thing. Um, you, because there's so much we all know there's so much that goes into a rugby game it's, it's chaos it's organized chaos it's 15 men doing 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 things out there you know theoretically together but it, it is a chaotic world and and so much can go wrong that's out of your control surely you've just got to try and stay in the now stay in the moment play the test match that's in front of you and do your best you can't be looking further and, and further down the line about what this means and how that works and and, and everything else i think I think that's where I'd like to be. It's certainly where I'd like to, to, to sort of continue to look and enjoy it for what it is. Talking to Sam Roberts, uh, broadcast in Northern Hemisphere. You, t- you brought up a word there, chaotic, and the last thing I want to ask you about is while the product is fantastic on the field and I'm enjoying the Six Nations, um, there's been threats of player strikes, there's professionalism issues in Wales, uh, there's a lot of off-field incidents, there's a lot of concern about money in the Northern Hemisphere with a couple of Premier League clubs um, folding. Um, what's the health of rugby in the Northern Hemisphere um, that's going to allow it to continue to grow and get stronger? It looks to me there's a few little, few little aftershocks before the big earthquake. Oh, you're, that's very polite. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think, um, I think it's very, very ill. I think it's un- very unwell. Um, the, the 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 club game, especially, um, it doesn't work that the money doesn't work the money doesn't work across um across the league it, it, the, the 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 setup we have we have run uh far sooner than we could actually walk we need to take some very serious steps back we need to have a look at the whole piece you know my particular heart lies with a club called Bedford Blues which is in the second tier which has such a, has has endured such a uh, an amount of, of of funding withdrawal over the last three years, which is you know almost other than for the love of the game and for people doing things and going out of their way, you know, just to try and keep rugby alive in in towns like 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 Bedford, it's um it's so sad. It's it's so so sad that 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 it's all of this focus has gone. On. I I always go back to the idea that this game in. In England, especially, and, and obviously in Wales, and, and, and potentially, it's it's been built completely incorrectly. You know, in in 1995, when when the the professional setup worked, the the, the it, it came about that the, the idea of professionalism it was built from the top down, and you can't build anything from the top down. There was no foundations laid. There was no bottom that was that was put in place to to, to create any sort of legacy or any sort of length of, of tenure, and. Unfortunately, the club sport has suffered so much since, and and the RFU has this ridiculously. And I'm not sure if your listeners know how just how ridiculous the process of the RFU have got in, in with them. But I'll try and be very quick and, and sum it up for you. The RFU basically own, and their big flagship is international matches. And for international matches, you need international players. But at the moment, those international players are owned by the clubs. And so they pay their wages. The RFU occasionally pays them a little bit of money for turning up and playing games. But ultimately, those those players are owned by the clubs. And the RFU is supposed to govern the clubs. 
but the clubs own the thing that the RFU needs to make all its money. So you can't govern something and tell it what to do if every time they turn around and go, well, we, you're not going to get the players. And the RFU go, okay, well, you can do whatever you want. That's no way, that's no way to govern a sport. The whole, I mean, that's just a small indicator of just how crazy the whole setup is. And, and, and until that is sorted out and until we find some way of creating some sort of governance that, that makes sense and that doesn't, isn't, you know, that doesn't, the government aren't held to ransom by the people they're trying to govern, we, we ain't going to get anywhere. And, and that's, that, that's a small, small sliver of it, but it, it, it is an absolute mess. Um, wish us luck. Uh, pray for us, I say, over the next year or so. It's going to be very, very tough. Very, very tough. But we'll get through it. We'll get through it. Oh, well, I'll have a, uh, I'll have a chat to Ian Foster. If Scott Robertson does get the gig, I'll suggest uh, Bedford. Eh? Um, it could be his next yeah. gig um, for 20 bucks a oh, week. That'd be, that'd be great. We, we, we've had the, I'll, I'll, I'll name check him. Mike Rayer has been uh, at Bedford for uh, the best part of 20 years, as director of rugby for 20 years at, at Bedford. Uh, they're a fantastic, fantastic club. I mentioned Paul Tupai, an absolute legend of, of, of Bedford Blues, um, and uh, has come over and has, and has been our adopted son. And huge amount of links. A guy called Colin Jackson, who's who's back in, I think he's in Otago and, and all of that. Great links, fantastic, fantastic setup. Yeah, send Fozzie our way. We'll, we'll, we'll sort him out. <laughs> oh, mate, Sam, it's been brilliant to talk to you. I'm going to have to make a booking to talk to you again and go even deeper about what a shamozzle it is. It'll make us feel a bit better about our shamozzle, I think. <laughs> I think uh, that's good. We'll we'll compare shamozzles and we'll we'll go from there. Brilliant, Sam. Thanks so much, mate, for taking time today. Cheers, cheers. Thank you. Uh, the equation in the cricket hasn't got any easier for New Zealand. Still need five wickets now. England just needing fifty-seven. Stokes on thirty-three. Joe Root on. 94, Jerry Texton saying that both Stokes and Root were both dropped in the 48th over. Game, set and match, I say. Rule changes. Rule changes. Uh, from Sumo William Brisbane. Hey, boys, couple of rule changes. <clears throat> Malls can only stop once. And at that point, the team moving forward gets the put into the scrum, regardless of who took the ball into the mall, which would suck in the seagull forwards. Any penalties conceded inside the 22, the offending player or players leave the field and then until their team regains possession. However that happens. That rule could be for both union and for league. Also, one team, one jersey. Also, one team, one jersey, and make numbers bigger and more visible for us old fellas. <laughs> There's been some shockers when it comes to numbers on jerseys being eligible. Uh, from Craig, g'day, staff, golf. This will bring a new dimension to the game and make it a hell of a lot more enjoyable. If your ball is stuck behind a tree, you should be allowed to give it a kick. <laughs> it would bring in a new element to the game and we would all walk off the course a lot happier. Perhaps they'll design golf shoes with steel caps. In my day, it was called the leather wedge. Craig, give it a little cheeky nudge. Little cheeky nudge. Uh, guys, what time is team naming Tuesday for the Warriors? When do the Warriors name their team, Sam? Do you know? Uh, sometime today. Uh, what time o'clock did you say, Sam? Uh, that was five o'clock. Five team o'clock. Tuesday, every Tuesday, yeah. So in Australia, it's five o'clock Australian time, so it's 7.14. But they let the Warriors name theirs at five o'clock local. Okay. So we always get it a couple hours before the rest, which is which is pretty cool, standing mm. alone. We're really excited as well, Steph. The first... 
first team naming of the year. You see all the teams who they're going to put out, mm. who's starting, have they brought in the rookies, have they benched that guy? It's the first real look at what the teams are going to dress up like. So, and the first time, first time this year, the one New Zealand Warriors will be playing with our own Sam Hewitt and Tony Kemp calling the game from uh, West pa- uh, not, from Sky Stadium. Not, Ke- not Kempe. He's, not a, Kempe? he's a, a sojourn up in Fiji, I believe. Oh. Uh, but we've got uh, Dave Lomax, former oh, Newcastle Knight. Um, so he's actually, I guess, both ways. Never played for the Warriors, but um, obviously a Kiwi. Played for the Newcastle Knights. We're going to be down there at Sky Stadium. It's going to be a cracker. I, don't actually, I haven't seen the crowd numbers and ticket sales, but I imagine it's going to be... You know, Wellington people will turn out. And yeah, they will. Walk up crowds. Win. Walk up crowds. Yeah. Uh, can we get rid of the rules in rugby where the All Blacks coach needs to have previous experience coaching internationally? <laughs> I think we, I think we read that one earlier. One more. Um, I'd like to see the end of the rule that allows that really loud guy to go to every PGA golf tournament ever played and shout, "Get in the hole!" Who is that guy? Where's the documentary about finding loud guy? I know. I know, and you're the man is another one off the tee, isn't it? Tiger. Tiger. Yes. Um, what have we got coming up? There's so much coming up. Lots more of these. This is probably the most popular midday madness. It's 2.30, and I've still got probably 20-odd texts of rule changes, and there's some absolute rippers as well. So we will get through some more, some more of those after New Sport and Weather, which is brought to you by the great Johnny Mac. It's been a wicket in the cricket. Ben Stokes dismissed for 33. Is that right? 33 of 116 balls. And then, folks, the second ball that he faced, Wagner put in a short one, big appeal at the wicket, given not out, went to review, and unbelievably remained not out. Uh, So, folks, on nothing. Root root on 94. We're back in this, New Zealand. We're back in this. One brings two, as Manai said to me in my headphones. One wicket brings two. If we can get Joe Root, game on. Game on. Some more of the text messages. Um, Cam from Invercargill. How good would it be in a five-day test match and on the final day, if you had 400 runs or less to get, you get to play reduced to 50 overs on that final day. So you're saying you need eight runs and over. That's a bit of a penalty. Cam, if you had 400 runs or less, you get to play. Overs get reduced to 50. But you earn you earn the right to have more overs. Oh, he's just had a go at a scoop, his route. What's he doing? Oh, one brings two. One brings two. Uh, there's lots of videos of Zach Johnson not clearing the tee box and re-teeing. That's from Liam on that golf rule of Sammy's. Uh, Zaid here, what about the steroid Olympics where everyone's on steroids? And you, oh, yeah, you rung us about that one, Zaid. Uh, the People's Olympics. Sounds like the next, net, the next Netflix sporting documentary series. I agree, Kenny. It would be fantastic just seeing Joe Public have a crack. Uh, Darren from Napier said, uh, Clash of the Codes. No, there was one called Clash of the Codes. I do remember that. It was way back. And I think it was just called Superstars or something like that. I'll see if I can find it. I'll see if I can find it. Penalties and cards for knocking the ball down, going for the intercept. If you're not good enough to draw and pass, why penalise the defender for doing their job? Blackie, I'm with you, Blackie. 
I'm with you, Blackie. I don't like those when they call them intentional. You can see an intentional knockdown, penalise that, but people genuinely going with a reflex action to catch it and it gets a knock-on, I don't like that being penalised. It's just a knock-on. Bring back Clash of the Codes, says someone else. Love the banter re Canterbury poaching. The Chiefs are just as bad. Anton Leonard-Brown, Alex Nankerville, Damien McKenzie, Brady Retallick, just to name a few. Logan from Christchurch says, just to name a few. Hi, guys. Uh, bring in the criminal Olympics. Car chases, fence jumping, <laughs> stolen bike race, <laughs> shooting from a moving car. <laughs> oh, I like that one. I like that one. Staff, I'm on nights and just tuned in. I heard something about rule changes in sport. For me in cricket, I'd make it that if a non-striker leaves the crease before the bowler releases the ball, it's a one run short. Just like turning short for a second or third run is already one run short. I agree, Craig. That leaving the crease early, getting a head start. You can't leave the start line early in 100 metres because the gun's about to go. You wait till it goes. You wait till the ball leaves the hand. Then you can leave. No ball. Have you, one run short. Has someone mentioned this, but you know how they changed the rules in track and field to you used to have two DQ? Has someone mentioned that? We were just talking about that. No, no, but they haven't. Um, no, you get one, done. Yeah, that's brutal. That's um, very They do brutal. it in swimming as well, don't they? One one false start and that's it. Swimming, are you really? Pretty sure. To? Yeah, no, I think it's, sure it's one and done. Which is silly, man. It's like they're, four they're years on work. The, yeah, four years work. They're on the edge and you go and do that. Mm. Conversely, um, though, some people were allegedly false starting on purpose to throw their competitors off. Yeah, people mm. do that because they, they, they reckon that the um, the gun on the second time is slower. So, you know, there's more anticipation, more chance for people to go. Um, but on, they they call you for a false start even if you haven't started, but if your reaction you time is less than 0.15 or something. Uh, so, yeah, it's... You twitch, mate. No, they call you up. It's squirrely. Little. I don't understand why cricket is such a like a, a, a stickless sport, isn't it? You know, they stick to their rules, and um, you know they're very. Mm, the word I want to use, I can't conservative? use. Conservative. Conservative. <laughs> why? Why don't they just allow the old man cad dismissal and just be like, look, if you were outside, that's on you, and you're just out. Anytime you're outside, there's no dead ball. You just can't leave your crease, and you know. Black and white. Black yeah. and white. Why don't they just, when a batsman leaves his crease early, all the stadium lights just start like flashing red and there's a big siren that goes like, wee, 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 and it's all, like all shame, the, shame. All the stadium lights turn off and the spotlight goes on the guy yeah. that broke the line. Yeah, yeah, and everyone's just like, you are a cheat. You are a cheat. Yeah, get everyone's Hawkeye just, involved. What about, can I, this is actually, um, seems like a very reasonable change, Steph. Joe Root. Joe Root's in. just go, Joey, and gone. Get out. Joe Root gone for 95. You mutant. Oh, seven down. New Zealand now need three wickets. Did he just try and do a pull shot on 95? A pull what shot a on mutant. 95. Off the great man Wags. Oh. Cometh the hour, cometh the Wags. Gee. 202 Wagner. for seven. Wagner. Look Wagner. at this. Pitches what are you doing? In. Oh, you if there's, shut me. If Top there's bridge. one bowler they don't want with their confidence meter full to the brim, it's Neil Wagner. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Staff could be on. Dare I say, we could be on here. Three wickets. My law change, and it's taken me two and a half hours to present this to you. Mm. Let the bunker rule on forward passes, please, in the NRL. Give the bunker more? Let them rule on forward passes. Why not? Yeah. Their rationale for not ruling on four passes is ridiculous. It seriously is ridiculous. Their argument, and this is where they inconsistency, because they say that there's not a proper genuine angle. Unless they had a side-on camera that followed 
back and forth. There's no, there's no, it's too inconsistent. Mm. Yet they're all on knock-ons. You know who gets forward passes right? NFL, the lateral. Yeah, they do actually. It's get it the right. grids on the grass. Yeah. It has to. You can't. None of this came out of the, backwards out of, out of the yeah. hands and all that sort of thing. But but the NRL will, will rule on knock-ons. And my argument is, well, but you're using the same data in terms of did the ball go, did it travel forward? Isn't that the same data you're using for the fullback? I just get annoyed that they've never changed that rule. And Bill Harrigan, who is the former head of the referees, has always said it's ridiculous that they don't rule on it. And I go back to 2019, Warriors, Sharks, Mount Smart Stadium. Uh, Simon Mannering knocks the ball on, gets picked up by the Sharks, goes left out to Edric Lee, I think used to play for the Sharks. And he scores, and it was two metres forward, Anyone could see it. The touchy was right there. And that's one where the bunker can just go, guys, that, hey guys. that was well forward. Let's call that one back. That eh? was a good one. That was but a no, good they refuse because that's a conspiracy and they want the Warriors to lose. Um, Pete says, if a third umpire is checking for no balls every ball, then surely you can check for a batsman leaving his ground early. Pete, yes. Should be a judge one run short automatically out if appealed for a run out. Allow sandpaper on the cricket field from Mitchell. Don't mind that. <laughs> <laughs> T20 cricket, batting power play. Get to choose any player on the opposing team and he has to bowl on over when you choose. Yes. Come and have a bowl, Tom Blundell. Hi, guys. With the People's Olympics, you could do it at random stadium. As long as you have official to take times, distance, etc. It would be a great club marketing promo. Tim from the 09. Do you want to play the vault? If you want to play the vault, brand new vault, but it's still a juicy prize of $100 TAB bonus bet. You get seven questions on day one, seven yes-no questions at your disposal. Give us a call, 0800 150. Sam's put another sporting moment into the vault. Have you? Yes, he has. 0800 150 811. Give it a crack. Seven questions, one answer. Can you crack the vault. Oh, it's interesting times. Not as many callers on day one, so mm. you might miss an opportunity. The only clue we're going to give is that I've picked this moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's yeah. a little bit of a clue. It is actually, if you if you know staff well. So uh, only five called today. I've spun the wheel on its line two, which is who, Sam? Uh, I think we've got Hamish. Hamish from Matoda. G'day, Hamish. I'm having pretty good luck this week, aren't I, boys? Yeah. So you get seven questions with a hundred dollar TAB bonus bet up for grabs. You know how it works. I think we've played this before. So yeah, I've done it plenty of times. <laughs> right, you kick us off, mate. You're pretty good at this. You get seven questions to unlock the sporting moment that I've locked into the vault. Now, away you go. Is it a team sport? Is it a team sport? Yes, it is, Hamish. Okay. Is it to do with rugby? Rugby. Yes, it is. Hamish. Good start. Is it to do with uh, international teams? No, it is not. No, it is not. Okay, maybe it's... Is it to do with... Super Rugby teams? Yes, it is, Hamish. Look at him go. Okay. Okay, now is it... Now this is everything. Okay, is it between... Oh, okay... 1995 and we'll say 2020. Yes, it is. Now, just can I, mate, might I add there that I'm pretty sure Super Rugby uh, started in 1995. Am I right there, Steph? 
96, I think it's. Oh, six. Yeah, 96, yeah, yeah. okay. So oh, you, you picked a pretty big window there, uh, Amish, but yes, it did happen between 95 and 2020. <laughs> How many questions have I left? Two. Is it to do with a New Zealand Super Rugby team? Yes, it is, Hamish. Jeez, you're giving the answers quick, Sam. I can barely write them down. New Zealand Super Rugby team. Yes, it is. Okay. Is it to do with a New Zealand Rugby team winning the competition? No, it is not, Hamish. Okay. So you're done. You're done. What's your weird and wild swing from the fences sporting moment that I've locked into the vault? Uh, Carlos Spencer beating the Crusaders in Christchurch in two thousand. Uh, wait, in two thousand one. Let me put it in. Oh. Oh, I, did, I wouldn't even let me put it in the combination. Just gave him the just gave him the D knife step. We went to put out the fingerprint and just said, "No, nah, go away." I tell you what, Hamish, very interesting. I was going to pick that one today. Were you? I was actually going to pick that one until Steph gave me the one he wanted. So. Have you could have got, got it. Gave him the fingers. Yeah, he did. He, did. he absolutely did. Gave yeah. him the bird. Was that at Jade Stadium? That's what I thought. Yeah, Jade Stadium. Because I thought it might have been a Carlos Spencer moment. I thought, yeah, if it's not a team, it's one. Because every team's won Super Rugby in New Zealand. But when you said there was no one has, it's not a championship team that's won, every team's won. It has to be another moment. Yeah. Maybe I thought I'll just get that. I tell you what, Hamish, you're good at this game. I'm going to give you that. You're very good at this game. Well done. Thanks for that, boys. Cheers, buddy. There's Hamish from Matoura. Mm. We'll take a break, shall we? Yeah, I, yeah, that's that's exhausting. That was rapid. A, you know what they say? A fast game's a quick game, <laughs> <laughs> and a good game. Uh, Two hundred and ten for seven. We need three more wickets. Three more wickets to win this test match, and England. Um, this page is so enormous. Is it 48 runs they need? Is it 48 runs they need? It is 48 runs to win, and we need three wickets, and Wagner is on fire. Just got hit down to find league for one. 47 runs they need. Uh, We'll take a break. We'll come back. Stuart Broad's playing baseball. Well, it's just undone him. He's gone for 11 off nine. Are we seeing history in the making? New Zealand just need two more wickets. Two more wickets. Broad is gone. He stepped away. He tried to cosy it over third man, which was just ridiculous. Matt Henry's just offered it up to him. He's flicked it back to third man, straight down the throat of Neil Wagner, whose tail is right up, and he's taken the catch. Is he challenging it? No, he's not challenging it. He's saying, it. you can do it, mate. Leach, he's been a hero before, Leach. Hey, Steph, as well, can I just say... I'm, it must have been off here, but remember at the top of the show I said to you, oh, or or like an hour ago I said to you, oh, but if the Black Caps win, and you said they're not going to win, mate. 68 runs, they're not going to win. You'd written us off. You'd written us off. No, and and you said, but how many do they need? And I said 60. And Stokes and um, Root and you go, oh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So no, I said, agree. oh, yeah, but I'm just, you know. 43. I'm just saying the faith was not there. Just for the record, ago. I always thought we were going to win um, yeah, from day yeah. one and yeah. throughout. So, so 43 <laughs> runs required, two wickets required. New Zealand must be favourites now. Surely they're favourites. Let me check the TRB. In my books, always have been, uh, again, from the first ball and throughout. The draw is paying 150. Uh, New Zealand, 158. England, 222. 
New Zealand, third team ever. Is it third? I think Daniel said third team ever. If they can win this, the third team in the history of Test cricket to win after following on. Do you know the loser of those other games has been Australia every time? Really? Very Australian to get a bit too full of yourself and put the other team in to follow on, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> so we've got folks on two. We've got Leach on nothing. He is facing his first ball. Matt Henry, he has two for 74 off 20. Uh, Neil Wagner is steaming in at the other I'll do end. The, uh, sh- 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 <laughs> Henry. Oh. Henry. He's pitched it in short and it's gone over his head without bother. I tell you what, those boys, the heart rate, it's amazing. It's a bit like golf in that the chaser, the chaser. And and, and in cricket, it's people needing the wickets. They're the chasers. They're chasing wickets. And the guys needing runs are the ones just trying to hold them out. Amazing. Um, In test since May 2022, England run chasers. They've chased... Their last six tests and one have England. Can they get 43 runs before New Zealand get two wickets? Weather isn't in the equation. Matt Henry and Neil Wagner, they are in the equation. We could be on the brink of something pretty special here. Can England get 43 before we get two wickets? I say no. I've changed my tune, Sam. (laughs) Surely New Zealand can get this. This would be an amazing achievement. An amazing achievement. Matt Henry... Versus Leach, Neil Wagner versus Folks. Who's going to win? We'll keep you up to date. Coming up to the three o'clock news with Johnny Mack. Very, very excited. Very excited. New York Knicks lead Boston by 11 in the third quarter. That's just by the by. We'll keep you up to date after new sport and weather. Um, still two wickets needed. 43 runs for England. Folks remains on two. Leach remains on nothing. Um... Leach's face five balls. Oh, and he's bowling. No, he hasn't. Don't uh. do that to the people. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to do that. Who is it that did the. Got him. Got him. Yes. Got him. Bill Laurie. Yeah, Bill Laurie. Got him. Got him. Nah, Ron Snowden was the best. Was he? Yeah. Got him. Full runs. I love. And bless his soul. Actually, I'm not going to mention who it is, but there was a cricket commentator who used to get um, the mickey taken out of him quite a bit because it would be like, comes into bowl and it's edged away, down to third man, a brilliant shot, running away all towards the boundary. The crowd are up on their feet as it rolls towards and it's picked up by third man. They'll come back for two. (laughs) And it was like the longest explanation for what you thought was going to be an amazing milestone ended up just being a single or, you know. (laughs) It was, yeah. Bless him. Well, they're not, his name. they're not troubling the scorers at the moment. Still 43. Um, two wickets remaining for New Zealand. Looks like Wagner and uh, Henry are the two. I just wonder if Southie's going to come back and have a little dart at some stage uh, as he well. He might have a bowl. <laughs> might have a bowl. We have got to just after three o'clock, and we haven't done draft day Tuesday because mm-hmm. uh, Midday mm-hmm. Manus was so good, so good with all of your rule changes. But draft day Tuesday is here. They're not even running. Folks didn't even run there. No, no. He doesn't want he doesn't want to give it to Leach. Right now, this draft day Tuesday, Sam, yeah. it's got the potential to be quite complicated to understand. No, 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 no. Simple, simple. So, what we're doing today, people, we are picking, we are creating the ultimate rugby player. 
Starting with the head, going to the heart, going to strength, speed, footwork. Could have thrown a whole bunch of other ones in there, but we're just going for five. And the way we're going to do it, Steph, we'll do our normal draft. So I think I go first today, you go second, Manai goes third. So I'll pick my head of rugby first, you pick your head, Manai picks his head. And then we'll go reverse for the next round. Manai will go first, you'll go second, I'll go third. So okay. you're always in the middle. And we're just going to go through and create the ultimate rugby player. So when you talk head... The best head for the game. Yeah, the best IQ. Rugby IQ. Brain. Smarts. Rugby brains. Smarts. Rugby okay. brains. Yeah. Okay, so, so who's kicking us off? That, that would be me, Steph. Right. And I think of all the picks, this is probably the, the easiest one for me because he's the greatest rugby player of all time. Uh, all Black, of course. Richie McCaw. Um, because not only was he a very, very smart sort of player in and around the ruck and the way he positioned himself in the field, but he was practically a referee as well. He was doing two jobs at once. So... Give me Richie McCaw's head. That is the start of my ultimate rugby player. Now, does that mean we can't put Richie McCaw into any other category? Ooh, I feel like we can't. I feel like we discussed that this morning and said you can't once it's been used. Mm, there's my footwork gone. There's, there's <laughs> my heart gone. Uh, unlucky you so. Okay, so who's second? <laughs> I'm second every time. Okay, head. Yeah. The great man. Not a New Zealander. Alan Jones. John Eels. Ah, he's a smart man. He is, he a, is smart, a smart man. Give me John Eels' head. Not just even on the on the rugby field. He's just a smart man off it. Yes. My nice job. Um, I'm on head, aren't I? Correct. Oh, yeah, oh, sorry. Um, can I, with the first pick in my draft, select Senator David Wilmer Pocock? <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, that's yes, a, you can. That a boy, yeah. <laughs> Knows a thing or two about climate change. Does he what? Um... All right, so then we go, so that's our heads. So now we go to uh, Hart, and it starts with Manai. He gets a back-to-back pick here in the draft. Oh, Manai. brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. This has fallen straight into my lap. Yeah. I hope that he was on both of your draft boards, but for Ticker, for Hart, he played on Buck Shelford. Ah, oh, good one. Yes. Good one. Didn't think of him, but good one. Yeah. Uh, didn't, he did suffer an injury, didn't he? Played on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mark Stafford. Someone ripped his pillowcase. Um <laughs> So I've coins fell out of his purse. Diseased with speed. So I've had to put the line through Richie McCaw. So, okay, therefore, Hart. I've only got one, by the way, so if you take mine, I'm sort of bugging. <laughs> well, I've got two. All right. I've got two left, but my one, not a New Zealander. Oh, please don't pick him. Shall I leave him for you? What country? Ireland. Nah, you take him. Omani. Oh, oh Omani, Peter. What a ticker. All out on display last year. Led that fullback. He is phenomenal. Mm. What a heart that man's got. All right. I'm going to take you all the way to South Africa because mm. we know that they are hearty individuals over there. And I'm going to take you back to, I want to say, 2014 when a man by the name of Schultberger yeah. was lying on his deathbed, Steph. The family came around to say their final goodbyes. It literally got to that stage. The man played on, and I think he won uh, Comeback Player of the Year in 2015 at the Rugby World Cup. Give me Mr. Schalkberger for his hot bear gas in the draw. It <laughs> <laughs> was my second pick. And so then we go to strength, and uh, I'll get the first Staying pick. You, you get the first pick. Yeah. Give me just one of the toughest guys on a rugby field staff, and we noticed when he left. He's an all-black. Jerome Kana. Yeah, that's a good I mean, Jerome Cannon, man, that, from the kickoff, we Delete. would kick it deep. He would run up to whoever caught it and literally just manhandle him and throw him to the ground on his own with his bare hands. Mm. His bare hands. Jerome Cannon. Okay, I'm going strength. This guy was colossal and an athlete. Mm. Not a New Zealander. Oh, dear. Not very patriotic today, are you? 
No. Picking out a market. Give me. Yeah. And I have I have a, a conditional thing here. Give me Pierre Spice. Spice from South Africa. Yeah. yeah. Absolute beast of a man. And the reason he is, had, and the other name I had written down was Jerry Collins. Mm-hmm. Pierre Spice went into the gym yep. where the All Blacks were doing their gym session, and said, "Who can curl the most in the All Blacks?" Can you do it in his accent, please? I can't do South African accents. <clears throat> Disappointing. Who can curl the most in the All Blacks? And it was Jerry Collins. And he said, how much can he curl? And I don't know what the number was, but let's just say it was 80 kilos. He yep. can curl 80 kilos. So Pierce Peace put 80 kilos on a dumbbell mm-hmm. and did it one-armed. Pierce. Pierce Peace. Animal. My strength. Animal. I'm going to stay uh, in South Africa. <laughs> This man had a very terrifying warm-up where they would tie rubber bands around him and he would crawl the, le- the to the halfway <laughs> line and back. Tendai, beast in the toilet. Yeah, yeah, the beast. Beast. <laughs> I've, fe- I've seen that warm-up once in real life and it was absolutely fearsome. Yeah. Um, the man comes from the jungle. Um, pick number four. And we're going to... Speed. Speed. I've okay. got three names here. Oh, I'm up first, aren't I? Yes, yep. sir. Well, when you think of speed, you think try scoring, and no one scored more tries than Daisuke Ohata, the <laughs> Japanese winger. <laughs> he sits alone atop the all-time international tries leaderboard. Oh, I don't mind it. Uh, he also, in the world-famous Rugby 08 game, you would have played a bit of that, Sam, Absolutely on PlayStation 2, yep. he had the highest speed rating. Did in, he? In the, last, in the last decent rugby video game. Wow. So I for me, yeah. Daisuke. Fantastic. Mark Stafford, yours please. Oh, so I've got the choice of three here. Yeah, yeah. Were you going to go Daisuke as well? No. <laughs> my three <laughs> is still available. <laughs> so one of them is clearly the fastest. Yep. Jason Robinson? Daisuke. Is it just straight speed? Well, I said earlier this morning, it's like rugby speed. So, like, we all know that Carl and Isles or whatever is, you know, is run a 10 flat. But it's more about the speed you saw him use on a rugby pitch to just terrorise people. Give me. Yeah. <laughs> Not a New Zealander. Yeah. Rapini Valvalbuka. I love it. I actually Rapini. do love it. I was thinking of going Jason Robinson, mm. but I'm going to go back to the Brian Republic and go Brian. to Brian Habana on the wing there. Mark, he is a great try scorer of his time and a very good winger just in general. He didn't just and have a speed. tremendous bloke. And a great guy. Great setter here. So Brian Habana. So the Give two, I, did, Habana. The two I didn't read was Doug Hallett and uh, Martin Afire. Oh, I, I Doug Hallett. I considered taking Doug. Um, he was rapid. Mm. He was rapid. Martin Fire was the quickest for more. Fifth pick, and we're going to footwork here. And quite controversially, I am staying in the Republic of South Africa. Can you give me a, a new kid on the block in a number 14 jersey? Give me Cheslin Colby. No, you can't give me Cheslin. Give me Cheslin Colby. Dancing shoes on. Bye-bye. The man on the moon has got a visitor. There's a bit of Danny Morrison there. <laughs> Cheslin Colby, his footwork, please. Mark Stafford, over to you, sir. Did you just have Cheslin? You did. Think of somebody else. Just had Cheslin. All right. Well, he's already been mentioned. I'll have to take Jason Robinson then. Ah, he, yeah, he was very tidy. <laughs> yeah. Very tidy. Fantastic say. stepper. Yeah, and uh, recency bias, we remember Cheslin, but Jason, back in his day. Mm. Lions as well, right? Terrorised for the Lions. He was the zip-zip man. Yeah. Tiny too, wasn't he? For the Under six foot. Sharks. 
Yeah. Uh, Wigan Warriors, perhaps, as well. Rugby League player, Jason yeah, Robinson. League, yes. league and England. Tremendous yes. uh, highlight reels on YouTube. Go and watch those. Yep. Uh, right up there was Shane Williams as well, who I was going to yes. pick for footwork. Yep. Shane Williams, very in that jinking wing of, uh, of the great Welsh tradition. But I want to strike him off because... <laughs> Oh dear, is it someone from, like, Georgia? It's going to be someone like Via Fafita or something. It's like someone that. from Fakatani. Who, who, who first rose to prominence terrorising people in the touch field, uh, most famously winning the comp with the Tigers in 2005. Yeah. Uh, and not being able to really find a solid position for himself in rugby union. But despite he did play. that, he did play he it. Did so play. I'm going it's to take the work of Benji Marshall. Yeah, good pick. Strong pick. Um... Tell you what, so we've got our, our ultimate rugby players here, so I'll just read out mine for you, Steph, if I may. Uh, I've got the head of Richie McCaw, the IQ of Richie McCaw. I've, got, I've got the height of Schaltberger. I've got the strength of Jerome Kino. I've got the speed of Brian Habana. And I've got the footwork of uh, Cheslin Colby. It's very Springbok heavy, uh, but they are a great team. That is my ultimate rugby player, Mark Stafford, yours, please. Um, I have the head and the wisdom of Johnny Ulse. The Nouse. I have the absolute huge non-stop ticker of Peter Romani. Mm-hmm. I have the strength of Pierre Spice. Mm, Pierre Spice. Pierre Spice. I have the speed of Rupini, Thao and Butha. Mm-hmm. And I have the footwork of Jason Robinson. It's a strong play, I'll tell you that. I that have is no a strong New play. Zealanders. Yeah, but you've gone global. You've, you've, you're, gone. Target, you're definitely targeting fans around the world. I've gone England, Fiji, South Africa, Ireland, Australia. A nice job. <laughs> Do you have a Kiwi set? Uh, yeah, I've got two. I've got um, Richie and Dry. Oh, yeah. I've got a couple as well. Yeah. Uh, I was going to accuse you both of burning flags. I'm going to start with the head of Senator David Wilmer Pocock, uh, the ticker of Wayne Buck Shelford, the strength of Tendai Beast and Tawarira, uh, the speed of Daisuke Ohata, and the footwork of one Benjamin Marshall of Fakatani fame. Mm. Brilliant. Well, I think this is a good one for people to vote on, Steph, on who they think is the ultimate rugby player there. And some notable omissions. Stan Carter didn't make the list. That's very surprising. Um, I anyone else? Kicking, I think of kicking was one of them. <laughs> Yeah, kick, yeah, we definitely left a lot of attributes. Like hands, we didn't have like the best hands yeah. in the game. Um, who else? Who else was is a big name that's not on there? Um, Johnny Wilkinson. Jonah yeah, Lomu. Johnny Wilkinson. Jonah wasn't on there. Tana. There's some great players. Goldie. Yeah. Brent, Brent Russell. Jason, Jeremy, Jeremy Thrush. Jason Rutledge. Juan <laughs> <laughs> <Long> Crib. Uh. <laughs> some great names missed out. Andy yeah. Donald. Oh. Duncan Hales. That was a good draft. That was a really... Um, that was enjoyable. Yeah, we did well there. I enjoyed that more than I was We're expecting. Gonna, I think we'll have to do a rugby league version. Yes. Mm. But it will be different because you can't really have a head in rugby league. Oh, I disagree. Well, I think you can be very really smart. There's really only like one or two of them ever. Nah, I, don't, I, nah, I reckon you could go bigger than that. Cam Smith, Cooper Cronk, that's it. Well, you could probably go Wally Lewis. Nah. Could by Darren Lockyer. Smart player. Maybe. Oh, Billy Slater, what? bar the brain explosion of the uh, 2008 Rugby League World Cup. Should we try Rugby League next Tuesday then? Yeah. We don't, we, we will mix up the categories for Rugby we League. We won't have yeah. the benefit of Manaya's uh, left field. Oh, though, true, so. actually, yeah. We won't get any Japanese players in there. but. Well, I could send in a few suggestions. <laughs> yeah, if you want to text through double eight double three, that'd be fantastic. People come and listen. Hopefully, that's not a conflict of interest. But yes. What about um, just the top five Japanese rugby players? You guys could just sink oh, your teeth into that. That'd be easy. Michael, Michael Leach. Leach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When's the new ball due? Do you know? That's a great question, and I don't. 
Um, how many overs? There's been 65. Isn't the new ball, correct me if I'm wrong, when I 80? 80? 80, 85? So yeah. I thought it was 85 or 90. A wee while yet. Still two wickets needed. Still 36 runs needed. Uh, Cullen's texting um, Head, Dan Carter. Hart, Dottie Weir. Strength, Sia Khaleesi. Um, speed, Dunny Herber. Footwork, Christian Cullen. Nice. 80 overs, you're right. Nice. 80 overs, new ball. So 15 overs away. I would say with only 36 runs to go, England um, will either get them or will get them before the new ball, I would imagine. Um, Black Caps ain't winning this one. Everyone will just go on about how close they were. Now, not the fact that they lost 2-0 and that Baz Ball is awesome. Oh, James, early crow? Early crow. Hey, afternoon, lads. Did any of you see the reply of the Sacramento Kings and the LA Clippers over the weekend? Oh, the replay. 176 to 175. Was it uncontested three-pointers all day? I didn't see that. New ball. Okay, good. Um, we have to go, because, but don't go anywhere. Interesting chat coming up, I hope. Uh, he is the head greenkeeper superintendent of the Millbrook Resort, which is hosting the New Zealand Golf Open this week. His name's Jimmy O'Malley, and he'll be joining the show after this. Uh, the Black Caps just about getting their ninth wicket, outstretched hand of Michael Bracewell, failing to bring it in. So still 27 runs required by England, two wickets required by New Zealand coming down to the wire. Right, time to kid down to Queenstown or Arrowtown or somewhere in between. It is the Millbrook Resort. And joining us now, Jimmy O'Malley, head greenkeeper uh, from Millbrook. Uh, welcome in, Jimmy. How long ago did you have to start thinking about and preparing this course for this week's Open? Uh, well, to be fair, it's constantly in the back of your brain uh, all year. But um, probably sort of December where you really start thinking about it a bit more. So... Yeah, it never leaves, you, never leaves your mind throughout the whole year, really. So what would be the main difference of how you present the course um, for this week as opposed to, you know, your run of your mill, uh, welcoming in guests and visitors and players uh, for the rest of the year? Um, to be fair, we don't we don't um, have to do a huge amount to get it up to the right standard. We try to keep it pretty good all throughout the year. Um, probably a little bit more spraying, um, just colour everything up and, and, and it's just a bit more extra mowing. But other than that, um, you know, we, we don't we don't go from a low level to a high level just with corner. It's kind of at a pretty high standard most of the year anyway, so uh, it's so, not too bad. So, so you don't have to do what like they do in the US Open and let the rough go a bit longer, um, greens a bit faster? Um, because it's a pro-am, they don't tend to like the greens to be real fast because um, that slows down the pace of play. So um, we don't do a huge amount to get them any quicker or anything like that. Um, it's just kind of almost as we would have them for play um, normally. So you guys down there probably know about the amount of water we've had up in the north here. It's just been, we haven't had summer yet, and my God, we're nearly at the end of February. Um, how how much water management is there that goes into a golf course? Uh, quite a bit, yeah. We've had um, probably the hottest, driest summer on record down here, so it's been pretty stressful. Um, yeah, so that's a big part of my job is making sure we keep everything wet. Um, 
and it was almost to a point where we couldn't quite keep up with it. It was so hot. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of extra weekend work and uh, a lot of hand watering and, and stuff like that. So it takes up a lot more time for not just me, but for all the staff really. Um, so yeah, I was getting a bit downhearted about the uh, the dry, but uh, after the cyclone uh, came through out there, I thought maybe we're quite lucky down here, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. um, what what sort of grass do you have? Do you, and has it been the same the same grass on the fairways and greens uh, forever at Millbrook, or have you ever had to change? Uh, no, it's, it's every time we've built a new course, we've just used the same grass. So it's um, a brown top or colonial bean grass on the greens, and then a brown top fescue mix everywhere else. Um, so yeah, we've, we've tried to keep the same um, types of grass as we've built new courses. So it's all um, you know, we try to keep everything the same. How much the bane of everybody's uh, existence for their lawns at home is weeds? How do you manage your weeds? Um, we we just spray everything once a year, and that generally keeps it um, pretty clean. Um, that that's about all we do, really. Uh, kind of some of the weeds that grow uh, grow for a reason. So if you can manage, you know, if it's too wet or too dry, or um, that that can help. But pretty much just same spray everything once a year. Um, that's all we do. And the other thing, do you have a say in, um, do, you, do you suggest pin placements? Do you prepare greens knowing the pin placements that there are going to be for the New Zealand Open, or is that someone else's realm? Yeah, so the uh, Australian PGA, they're here this week, and they, they, they set all the pins for us. So they go out at night and put a wee dot on the green, and, and then they'll give us a a pin placement chart. So we go out and find the dots in the morning and cut pins where they want them. So. We, we probably, for a few weeks beforehand, we'll, we'll steer clear of putting pins in areas we think they might use. But um, other than that, it's, everything just is normal. But they, they set the pins every day. Do you ever go out at night to cut the new pins and go, what have they put it there for? <laughs> <laughs> um, they're generally fairly conservative with their pins. Um, once again, they keep the pace of play. But um, the, new, the new course we've got here, there's a couple of interesting greens there where there's not too many good spots to put a pin so that'll be interesting to see where they go with that and what what sort of golfer do you feel like suits Millbrook is, is it someone that fades it maybe gently draws it um do you have to be straight what what are the nuances we've got to find out in a golfer that it's going to suit to to play your course well um I don't think hitting it long is any any help here I think the, the big big hitters haven't tended to do that well. It's more the ones that hit it straight, and and realistically, it'll probably just come down to putting at the end of the day. Who's who's on fire? Um, most of them can hit it, you know, get on the green and two. But it's just what they do with the, the flat stick after that is the key. So, yeah, I don't I don't think um, long long drivers suit it so well. I think it's just more about accuracy around this course. Sounds like Stephen Elka to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Do you think we should put a little lazy fiver on Stevie Elker at your course? <laughs> yeah, I reckon we. Well, let's hope he does well. Yeah, and what, does it? Do you ever get concerned about the amount of traffic? Like you get, I've been down to Millbrook for a few New Zealand Opens, and there's a lot of people go out, a lot of foot traffic. Do, does the course take a while to recover from that? Yeah, it does, and it's most of it's in the out of the way areas, so it doesn't affect. 
play too much, but it just looks terrible for a long time. So um, we're a little bit unsure about how many people are going to turn up. So it could be a big event or it might not be too big. We're not too sure, but um, certainly yeah, some of the rough areas get pretty pretty hacked up. And during a New Zealand Open, they tee off quite early and they and they finish quite late. So while play's going on, I, I guess there's not too much you can do as um, people that look after the course. Um, is it sort of sit back during the day and as soon as it's done, you're all out there in force? Yeah, so we do sort of split shifts um, starting at 4.30 in the morning and um, we get breakfast cooked for us about 8.30. And then, yeah, we come in about 3, 3.30 in the afternoon and, and go to dark. Um, I'm normally on call all day, but and sitting in my office fretting, but everyone else will be having a snooze or watching a bit of golf or um, trying to enjoy the event while we can. And what's the most challenging part during New Zealand Open Week? Um, to be fair, the, the setting up of the golf course is sometimes the easy bit. It's, it's the outside noise, I call it. The, you know, they're putting up tee signs, they're putting up TV towers, there's marquees going up on my putting greens, there's a whole lot of different people turn up and just take over your little spot, I suppose. So that can be hard to, hard to get your head around. <laughs> they're polluting your course with uh, uneducated <laughs> cart driving, aren't they? Because I put my hand yeah. up and say, I was one of those this year. <laughs> and then and then come Monday, they all disappear and leave you to it and, and you're left with the mess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate. Well, I, I know having been down there a few times, uh, Millbrook is an absolute picture and, you and your staff, you, you do an absolutely wonderful job and you get rave reviews from the golfers. So it's the golfers that matter. And, and I guess if they yeah. give you accolades, uh, you can sit back and know you've done a good job, eh? Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a fine line between making everything look beautiful, but you also want it to play well as well. So um, sometimes they don't match up, but um, we do our best. So, yeah. oh, well, Jimmy, enjoy this week. Um, the whole of New Zealand and wider and beyond internationally are going to be looking at your course with admiration. And so well done on getting it up to this stage. And I just hope they don't uh, destroy the beauty of the of the rough and beyond uh, with all of the traffic. But uh, you and your team, you, you'll knock it up um, and it won't take long to recover. So Jimmy O'Malley, I really thank you for joining us today. No worries. Good to talk to you. Arguments going on during the news here, New Zealand. Sam said, we haven't done my Keep What's it off Making here, News. Keep it off here, Mark. Keep it off you. No, I'm going to share it with the listeners. Sam said, we haven't done What's Making News. I've put in a lot of effort to do What's Making News. I said, the cricket's exciting. 14 to win, England. Leach isn't interested. Two wickets for New Zealand. 14 for England. And Sam says, what about What's Making News? I'll just tell you them real quick, shall I? Uh, have you got the pricker? Nah, nah. I forgot the pricker. Yeah. No, 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 but I'll just run through them real quick. It'll be a short what's making news. Okay. Um, so there was this guy on a plane, <laughs> uh, Japanese airplane. Can I have your normal enthusiasm? No, no, no. I'm just going to tell you real quickly. So this actually might be funnier because it's just going to be a quick version. Headlines only. Okay. Uh, so a Japanese guy, he's a vegan. He wanted a vegan meal on the plane. They were offering sandwiches and meals and stuff. They gave him just a banana. <laughs> With some chopsticks. <laughs> They just put a banana on a plate and put some chopsticks next to it. Um, Damien, uh, Dame, Damien Lillard, Lillard, Lillard. He uh, dropped 20, uh, 71 points yesterday. I don't know if you saw that, Steph. Career high, 71 points. And straight after was immediately drug tested, which is apparently pretty common in the NBA, isn't it? Like someone does something massive and then they're just like, ah, here's a random drug test. If a white guy dunks, 
He gets drug tested. <laughs> yeah. Well, he apparently hates needles, and he like nearly fainted when they were taking his blood. Oh, like a blood drug test. Yeah, they did a full-on, hey, Shit. you shouldn't be scoring 71 points, mate. Can I have your blood? Um, did you know drug tests in rugby, mm. test matches, Yes. Uh, they put uh, numbers 1 to 23 marbles in a hat and pull out two numbers, mm. and those two matching numbers from both teams are drug tested. What if they've lost their marbles? Terrible. Um, and the other story I had here was an NFL player by the name of Blake Martinez, who actually retired from NFL football um, to trade Pokemon cards. <laughs> and he's actually really good at it. In fact, he earns more from trading Pokemon cards than he did when he played football. Oh, that's ridiculous. So how about that for a career change? That is ridiculous. So maybe just crunch some numbers when you get home, Mark, and just work out if SENZ is for you. Breaking whether... news. Breaking news. Oh. Tim, Tim Southey's back on. Oh, good Southie. Mm-hmm. Great stuff, and oh, you probably want a fact as well. Well, you would have, you would have wanted a fact sh- had we had done the segment properly. I'm it's glad, another. St- I'm, I'm glad we didn't. It's yeah, yeah, me too. It's a, it's a, like a story. It's a story like it was yesterday um, about a 2008 man from Chicago who bought a car for six. This is petty, on a whole new scale. He bought a car in Chicago for six hundred bucks registered it in his ex-girlfriend's name, then parked it at the airport. And it, <laughs> and it racked up 678 parking tickets, totaling 100 grand. <laughs> now that is petty. It's genius. Who would have had to pay for that, though? Like, would that backfire and they might have made him pay for it? Or do you reckon she would have had to stump up the coin? Nah, no one pays. No one pays, they just wipe it? No one pays, they <laughs> wipe it. It's pretty good, though. It is pretty good. Yeah. Um, edge of the seat stuff. Folks is on 29. He's faced 45 balls. Um, Southies brought himself back into the attack and we need two wickets. They still need 14 runs. Oh, there's two, a wide there's two wides in the last two overs. Now they need 13 runs. Uh, Jack Leach is on zero off 18. He's showing absolutely no interest whatsoever in bowling a ball. Uh, sorry, in scoring a run. Um, that wide is probably fair. That was about half a metre above his head as it went past... Folks, so, jeez, it's, I tell you what, give us a wicket. Give us a wicket. Make it one wicket in 12 runs. Can I just say again, I'm glad we didn't do what's making news because Grant Farquhar has just come at us on Twitter, two wickets to get 14 runs for England. ACNZ Radio DJ Muppets giggling away without any commentary on the cricket. We're not allowed to commentate it. We're not allowed to commentate it. I'm giving you updates as a news service, but we are not allowed. We, we will breach broadcasting rights. Was um, Farquhar the, the king in Shrek? He was, yeah. <laughs> Two wickets to get, 14 runs for England, SENZ Radio, DJ Muppets, giggling away without any commentary of the cricket. They didn't even know how many overs per new ball. I did. I said 80. Yeah, he did. We just had to double-check it. Imagine sure. how wound up Grant is right now that we're talking about his tweet and not the game. <laughs> You've done this to yourself, Grant. <laughs> you know the thing that the thing that I hesitated about when the new ball's taken is in tennis, um, new balls, please. I think it's seven games because they use the f- one lot of balls to warm up with, and so it's always different for the first and the second. And I think that's what tripped me up, Grant Farquhar from Twitter. So we are keeping an eye on it, but we're not allowed to commentate it. But I can tell you what I can say: uh, thirteen runs to win, two wickets to win. And Southie is bowling. He has two for 40, um, and I think two runs have just been scored. So there's 11 now to win and two wickets required. Firmly in favour of England, but I would just love the pressure of one more wicket. Just one more wicket. 
We'll take a break. When we come back, we're going to go across the ditch to Jimmy Smith because we're not allowed to commentate the cricket. So Jimmy Smith after this because we can't commentate the cricket. Workmate, you're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. We're heading across to Jimmy Smith. Yeah, I reckon he's nervous. He's a bit nervous. There's Wagner! <laughs> Down leg side, runs. Just the one. Yeah. We're getting, gr- win. we're getting grief that we're not commentating the cricket, but we don't have the broadcast rights. So I'm giving updates every ball without commentating. <laughs> it's just tricky. Ten runs to get New Zealand. Two wickets to get New Zealand. Uh, Neil Wagner, no. Okay, Jimmy, how are you? <laughs> Mate, I reckon I've... I've We've been watching this a lot closer in the last hour. I, I'm not liking Timmy Southey's captaincy here. What are your thoughts? I think I got a um, a DM from Julian King, actually, who sits in from you sometimes. He's going, what's he still bowling Wagner for? They used to his line and length. I, Tim, well, I, Tim Southey came back and bowled. I bowled Bracewell with the left-hander leech mm. to take the ball away. So field and, – and they gave up a single – to folks with one ball remaining of the Southie Oval, like that's that, and the field was, oh, that's come off, that's come off the arm. I think it's not out. Yeah, not out. We're actually a little bit delayed here, uh, Jimmy. So if you just keep that to yourself, that'd be great. <laughs> oh, right, hey. We're about hey, a delivery hey, behind you. Shock me that you're a little bit behind things <laughs> over there in New Zealand, eh? Hey? <laughs> hey. Far be it from Steph, you to come wanna, in semi and wanna, say I'm a little bit behind. Do you want to ask Jimmy about some of the captaincy tactics over in India? Because, you know, it's sort of gla- <laughs> glass houses and stones. Yes, there right. is. Definitely. There is. <laughs> I think, I think um, Pat's amazing. So why don't, we just, why don't we just leave it at that, hey? Yeah. Um, they've, got, they've, they've reviewed this. Nah, let's have a look at it. Re- uh, well, you're, you're about 30 seconds ahead of us, so you tell us. Uh, off his chest. Off his chest. Yeah. Off his, uh, he's played that really nicely there, Jack Leach, off his chest. <laughs> hey, Jimmy, can you yeah. weigh into our subject of the day, which was if you could change one rule in sport to make it a little bit more enticing slash interesting. I tell you what, we fair dinkum got two hours worth of radio out of it. We've had some amazing ideas, some amazing might, ideas. You, we might have a very similar idea on Thursday, so <laughs> the way it works. Um, uh, I'm just thinking right now, Tim Southey wants it, that if you get caught off your chest, you're out. Yeah, that's a good uh, rule change. Cricket, uh, that'd be the rule change. You know the rule change that I would, would really like in rugby league? Mm. I'd like ball out of play, stop clock. Now, that's been brought up with rugby a lot as well, Jimmy, and I've got an issue with it. I, I yes. understand what you're saying, but if you stick with 40-minute halves and you stop the clock every time it goes out, yes, you're going to have a two-hour game. Okay, so I'm going to send you an article that I read today really fascinating about um, trends in American sports mm-hmm. um, based around uh, how long we can maintain our concentration this is from 20 years ago to now. Like a, the, the average time was 2 minutes 43, and now it's down to like 55 seconds, right? It's a massive, wow. massive change. And they're talking about the implications around sport. And the one sport that is most impacted by that is Major League Baseball, right? So as of this year, the start of the season, they've changed all these rules, and the vast majority of them are around making the game go quicker. Presently, it's about three hours and 10 minutes to play an MLB game. Mm-hmm. And they uh, and the trials that they've done in minor leagues and in a couple of spring training games, which is a really small sample space, but they're down to about two and a half hours. And it's all around how long the pitcher has, how long the batter has to get to um, the base, how big the bases are, how many fielders you can have, and 
uh, all this type of thing, all around making the game quicker. So when I think about that rule about rugby league and changing it and keeping the ball out of, uh, you know, stop the clock ball out of play, I would take time away in other instances. So um, scrum clocks and dropout clocks, you're down to 10 seconds. Yeah. Right? You, you, you go back and look at games from the 90s, how long it took to pack a scrum. Yeah. They were packed in seven seconds. Instant, yeah. Yeah. That, well, the sample set of one round of Super Rugby, there's some new time rules have come in on Super Rugby, uh, 30 seconds to throw it into the line-out, ball into the scrum, that sort of thing. And it's taken away um, – teams used to huddle before a line-out and they'd discuss where it's going to go and all their yep. trick. They haven't got time to do that now. It's straight into the line We've seen line-out steals. It's rapid, and they talked to the players and said it's really sped it up. The halfbacks aren't allowed to come around the scrum, uh, the scrum and attack the other halfback. Um, they have to stay behind. So now halfbacks are an attacking option from the back of the scrum. That works. So the, the time thing and the space thing seems to be working really well. A couple that we really liked, uh, get rid of the charging rule in, in, in basketball. So if you want to stand in the way of a guy screaming in, good luck. There'll be no charge. Uh, make the golf hole a little bit bigger. I didn't mind that. And one that was for rugby that could be going into league as well, and I quite like it, the try scorer has to take the conversion. <laughs> <laughs> so you'd be looking, if you get Jared Wairira Hargreaves about to score a try, he might look to offload it when he's in the in goal to a better kicker. Uh, well, yeah, I, look, that's a fun one. Yeah. Which, you know, and, and I don't mind that, though. You know what the problem with that is? I have seen vision of Junior Barlow kicking goal. Oh, there's a wicket in the cricket. Wagner takes the catch. Jimmy, Jimmy, you're ahead of us. We haven't seen it yet. Well, I can't not respond to it. There's Tim Southie. I'm glad he's bowled himself. What a good idea. (laughs) Here he comes in now, New Zealand. New Zealand time. Southie bowls. And then it's a top edge and it's flying down to the final. Oh, would you believe it? Would you believe it? Wagner with the catch on the boundary. Oh. Amazing. I tell you what, our office has just erupted. No one's working. <laughs> well, shock me on that one too. <laughs> Sounds very much like the Sydney office, but anyway. Seven hey, uh, runs, seven runs, one wicket. Hey, Jimmy, should the bunker be able to rule on forward passes? That's my rule change. Well, they're going to do that, aren't they? They've put a chip in the ball. The chip's in the ball. When's that happening? This year. Is it? Oh, fantastic. It? What a result. Well, well, they're, they're, oh, the chip is in the ball. They've trialled it. Um, I'll have to check whether it's in this year, but that's absolutely... I, th- I, I remember the story about them putting the chip in the ball yeah. and doing all this research, but I thought the um, head referees had said that there's... The great man's had said that there's still not, you know, 100% on it. They're still... Okay. Iffing, but I'm, just, I'm, it's I'm, Ford, I'm, mate. We can see that the Sharks threw a Ford pass against the Warriors in 2018 and it denied us a top four pot spot. We, <laughs> it was obvious. <laughs> they're so obvious. Um, now, here's James Anderson walking at the bat. Oh, dear. 9.21, the average. So he only needs to get his average and they win. What about Leach, though? He scored no runs off 21 balls. Someone's going to have to get these seven runs. That's right. Will they That's crowd right. the bat? Will they crowd the bat? Of course you do. Oh. Pressure on. Pressure on. Wow. Bowl the spinner. I'm, I'm saying bowl Bracewell. It's turning dramatically. Mm. Mm, true. And, and you when know he was bowling to Stokes, he was spinning the ball a mile. And if you bowl a spinner, you'll draw a shot out of them, too, because they think, I can hit this bloke. That's right. Get it up above the eye line, mm. Staffy, mm. Mm. and go for it. Folks can't believe it. He's out. Well, it's, it's, it's been bad bowling, 
really. Like, bowl at the stumps. I've got a text message here from a former Australian test cricketer that's got some bowl at the stumps and bowl spin. And then I can't say what he said about it. Dumb. Something <laughs> Kiwis. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Could you and just again, miss, could who's you, surprised at any of that? <laughs> could you just message me who that ex-Australian uh, cricketer is? I'll let you know. Thank you, Jimmy. <laughs> All right, we've got to go. We do do. <laughs> See you, go, mate. Hey, go, hang on, hang on. I'm ahead of the curve here. What have we got? Oh, no! It's a six down the grid. I'm joking. No. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> See Goodbye, you, Jimmy. See you, mate. Oh, we're going to get a breakaway and come back. Uh, normally at this time of day we take you back in the day, February 28th, and all the things that have happened. But I feel like uh, February the 28th, 2023 could well be on back in the day next year, depending what happens here. Nothing's changed. Oh, one run's changed. England now needs six. New Zealand need one wicket. And these guys at the crease batting have absolutely no idea. He's just shuffled outside leg stump, given himself room, swung the willow, got a top edge. It's gone down to third man. Uh, so Leach is off the mark, which brings Jimmy Anderson onto strike, facing a very tail-up Neil Wagner. We've only got a minute till the news, which is probably time for one more delivery, which is Wagner. 2.52 for nine. They need six to win. And he's absolutely put that at the throat. I'm predicting a draw. Of Jimmy Anderson. And I tell you what, just preempting, a draw is not a tie. Sorry, I'm predicting a tie. They are not the same thing. Yeah, I'm going for and a tie. And if it finishes in a tie, I'm pleased I don't work at the TAB anymore. Is it a nightmare, is it? It's a nightmare. Jesus. Everyone wants refunds. People that have taken the draw want to be paid out. Ain't happening. A tie is not a draw. Okay. Is there an option for a tie, though? No. Ooh, controversial. Yes. So, uh, 10 seconds to news. Uh, thank you very much, Manoir and Salmon. Thank you to you people out there. What a fun show with all your rule changes. The run home, they could be announcing something special after the news.